Welcome to the Sundance Watch List on Intercut, the yearly show going through the movies, TV, and shorts that people won't be able to cut away from. at Sundance, we'll be breaking down the best stories, performances, and all of the up-and-comers that you should keep an eye on for Richard Skarsgård or Lee Chan. It's a hot look. We'll also bring up the best moments we had in Park City, from insightful Q&As to special surprise music performances. As always, I'm your co-host Arturo Surita, and joining me online and in person, the one and only Zachary Shevich. Always a hybrid on Intercut. There's because there's so many ways to look at things. Exactly. You know, this is the second year that they've been able to do the hybrid. The second year doing the hybrid. They don't just do hybrids. Mm-hmm. They don't just give you the original lineup. They also get you some special screenings, those late editions that are still worth catching at the fest. We are joined by, of course, our I mean, own late it's edition. Not, it's not even a surprise. It's not a late edition. Yeah. She's, she's with us all the time. Amanda the Jedi. What up? Thanks back so in, much for having back me. Back at home. Yeah, she's. No longer with us in Utah. She got to make it back at home. <laughs> we're still in Utah. We're a little stuck. We're a little stuck. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, we're, we're, we're at least stuck uh, talking about movies. And yeah. This specific episode is going to be all of the best of Sundance. It's intercut special awards dealing with all of the good, the bad, the ugly. We also have a video, three videos exactly, coming out talking about all of the genre films, talking about all of the dramas and all of the docs. Yes. So Here. you will get our breakdown of... Basically every single movie that played at Sundance. If it played at the festival, we got you. What was your final number of movies in the end? Because you got higher than I think all of us. A lot. I, my count was 60. <laughs> Amanda, I think you got into the 40s, maybe the 50s. If I think if I recap, I'm closer to 50. But like as I look right now, it's 45. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple yeah. that slipped through the cracks there because like just watching six, seven movies a day, it's like even hard sometimes to keep it straight. I know like I'm relying on my, my notebook. Well, you were like, the edge. Yeah, I, I got like every page of this thing full of notes on movies by the end of the I was ready to update festival. it, but I guess the trees in Utah cost more because it was a <laughs> no, ridiculous yeah, I tried to so. I, that's the thing is I tried to pick up this like beautiful, this absolutely gorgeous leather yeah, bound notebook. Like I'm still thinking about it. Cost a hundred forty, hundred fifty, something okay. like that. Yeah, I I can pick up another one of these guys for a lot less. Five of these guys. Yeah, there was there was way too many movies to cover. Uh, I think I missed twelve. It's easy to say what I've yeah. It's easy to say how many you didn't I see. But uh, there are so, so many sad. movies, and in in this series right here, we're gonna make it our annual Intercut Awards. We've kind of given our awards when we've wrapped up everything, yeah. but we decided let's make a separate thing. We Going need something for Sundance. All of the categories, but before we do that. How was y'all's fest, dude? Because compared to the seven years that I've gone, y'all have five years. This is the best one. I think it's the best one. Yeah? I've had great years. We've been discussing if this is like two or if it's one. I'm at the point that even with the minor inconveniences that we had at the end of the (laughs) fest, if I can look past that, then yeah, it's great. By that, I mean uh, a car had to get to (laughs) Yeah, it, it, that's how you I know this, this video is dedicated to his car. It got <laughs> us here, and uh, the Lord's going to get us back. But at this point, like, if you have a, a, a an incident like that, 
-hmm. and you still have great memories of the festival. Exactly. I, I think it's the best festival we've done yeah. in seven years. Uh, Amanda, I mean, I'm curious what you think, because we've been going to the festival for the same amount of time, yeah. and we've had a lot of different experiences now, but this, is, this has been one of the best festivals we've had so far. Yeah, I think just in terms of like the quality of the movies they had this year, uh, there were so many different fun ones. I think some people might say that there weren't as many of these like small hidden gems, but they were there if you were willing to look for them and, and watch them. But it was just a really satisfying fe festival. And uh, it's always fun just getting together uh, in the Airbnbs and hanging out. And because it was more of a hybrid festival and the actual press screenings kind of like stopped halfway through the fest, we could just all hang out together, eat food, watch movies together, kind of like talk in real time. So that was really nice. Um, and kind of same thing, nowhere near as bad as the car literally collapsing like it did. But like I like smashed my ribs on pavement like second day in. So I'm like still that feeling that. That's how she began the fest. And yeah, dusty blankets and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. We, yeah. We and dirty blankets. The dusty blanket was <laughs> one thing. It was the crusty blanket. It was the crusty blanket that yeah, I take uh, issue with. Chocolate spoons. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah. And dishes that hadn't been washed. We didn't have the best Airbnbs, but we had great movies yeah. at least, and not just great movies. This is definitely the year that we've been able to attend the most world premieres of any of the years that mm. we've been going to the festival. Yeah, so it was really nice in allowing us to go see the world premiere of theater camp, the world premiere. I saw Magazine Dreams, you were at Cassandra. We, we oh, all yeah, were yeah. there together yeah, right. for uh, You Hurt My Feelings, for John Ojaya, which at the end got some cool lighting that made it look like a Rich Brian concert. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. We all had, yeah, yeah. we were covering it as a team. We should start a podcast together uh but yeah we're going to be getting into all of our intercut awards the best actors screenplay some of our best moments mm -hmm. all of that good stuff but before we do a shout out to the intercuties on the live chat yeah. we had a couple of y'all who were giving us your recommendations and such and because of that i want to make sure that if you had a favorite from sundance put it in the comments we're going to be collecting yes. that because we also have our inner cutie award countdown. We're always curious to see what was y'all's favorite. So let us know in the chat, let us know in the comments. We're gonna be bringing that up later. But first we begin, I think the Oscars, the Grammys, the Golden Globes, Grammys don't have this, but the Golden Globes, they all The Oscars definitely. The Oscars have to. We are beginning this with our best supporting actors of the festival. So this is the top 10 best supporting that we've had. We had a couple of good ones. Uh, I was a really big fan of William Catlett who played Lucky in 1001. This was a performance mm. that I thought really held it up. Um, there was also like Fremont had a bunch of people. Greg Kirkington or Turkington did a yeah. really good job getting the tone of that movie. Everyone's going to love Jeremy Allen White if he's in a film and he was also able to start in Fremont. But I don't know if y'all had some throwaway little recommendations that you had of a supporting character who really held up the film. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I definitely would shout out Tiffany Haddish and Landscape yes. with Invisible Hand, who is very funny and steals a few scenes. I, also, Adam Lambert, who showed up. Bro, and I, what was this man doing? Yeah, I, I like I basically know, right? didn't even recognize him. I did him not first, recognize. But. I kept looking for him because it said Adam Lambert was going to be in there. That was going to be a song. But yeah, he killed it in Fairyland as well. Uh, I don't know if you had any, Amanda. Um, yeah, we see here, I, I really liked Owen Teague. I think we all kind of walked away really appreciated yes. Owen Teague and You Hurt My Feelings. Uh, definitely not, he's not going to be the immediate choice, but as it builds into the end of the movie, you, you realize like how much he kind of pulls so much of the story together in an interesting way and helps with like the resolution of that. So I thought he did great. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff that's like really been kind of like, uh, he ends up making like impacts in different areas. Uh, he was in another movie this festival, wasn't he? Yeah, he had two movies. Eileen, where he played the uh, right. like the guard. Yes, he was the oh, guard. Also, yeah. 
Also, he's in that Oscar sneak. He's the son in Two Leslie. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree with you. Son. He makes the movie. He makes yeah. the movie for You Hurt My Feelings because even the director said, I made the movie because I was having the same relationship with my son. Exactly. So I agree with you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Owen Teague. I'm not going to forget the boy's name anymore. Owen Teague made it. Uh, but going into our top 10, let us begin with our best supporting actors of the festival. Yes. We begin with one from Passages. Talk about Ben Wishaw's performance in this movie. Yeah, I mean, well, Passage is a really excellent film about like a tricky romantic entanglement. And I think Ben Wishaw is the character who bears sort of the emotional burden of a lot of the movie. He's the one who maybe has the clearest vision for what is happening to them in their relationship. And I think so much of that is communicated through that just like tenderness that gentleness that he brings this is very much in the same mold as a performance like his in women talking where he's yep. just this really like sweet empathetic figure but there's also like an intimacy and vulnerability that uh is not in women talking yeah <laughs> uh and he he's got a long take in there yeah <laughs> he went in pretty long take pretty long take <laughs> but i thought he was fantastic in the movie easily uh worth it as uh, his performance of martin uh amanda did you like his performance <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, that was like one where y- you kind of wonder why certain people make certain decisions, but you get it. But then he doesn't like keep the decision going so long that you start being confused as to why someone is behaving the way they are. So like by the end, you're still totally. like, well, thank, thank God for that. So I thought he was yeah. uh, he was really, really good. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah, I feel for that kind of character. It's just one of those ones where like they're just kind of at the whims of this person that they, they love and care about and they, they try and then yeah. eventually you just kind of have to realize it's like, eh, well, you know, can't, can't make that work. Ben Wishaw in Passages, which is going to be on movie. I think that's the one big movie pickup that they got. So keep an eye out for that one because it's going to be brought up. This movie's going to be brought up again. Uh, but that was a number 10 pick. Moving on to our number nine was movie. Both of y'all got to see the premiere. Was he there? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was there. All right. Yeah. Sometimes I think about he dying. He said he regretted his outfit. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you get the jokes coming the entire time. Yeah. Dave Mraheji? Mraheji, I think. Yeah, yeah, dude. He killed it in a couple of episodes, seasons, really, of Rami. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part about him? Well, I think he's just got this really, like, dry but jovial nature to him. Like, he's not necessarily, mm. like, super expressive, but he's very, like, he seems very earnest and, yeah. and sweet and loving. And uh, I think particularly in sometimes I think about dying Daisy Ridley is so cold intentionally with her character and that you need somebody who's so warm to kind of like pierce through the cottage to her. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And he's perfect in that. I mean, uh, yeah, it's just a very funny performance. Amanda, uh, did you, was he also one of your takeaways from sometimes they think about dying? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's he's like trying so hard to get her to kind of like come out of her shell a little bit, and and he's willing to kind of put up with her awkward nature and and, and rolls with it as uh, and realizes, or at least hopes. It's like oh, you're you're making a joke. This is this is comedy. Where someone else might be like, okay, weirdo, bye. But he he just right? kind of like really brings her out, and it's adorable. It's so cute, and like there's just like little things he does in sets that are so adorable. So yeah, I, I like even how a lot. he's written. Because, like, half of his jokes that make you laugh is through the, like, instant messaging from mm-hmm. a workplace. Yeah. He just comes up with the funniest stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he, he was fantastic. Uh, coming in at our number nine spot, Dave Merheji as Robert. And sometimes I think about dying. Coming in at number eight is from a movie called To Live and Die and Live. A movie we were able to get a screener from. We were able to catch it early. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got a really good script with it. Mm-hmm. But you need good performances to upheld that. 
and someone to uphold the lead performer. Yeah. Sky P. Marshall. There's a lot of like room in this movie. It's a, bit, a little bit airy. It's not full of dialogue. So you need the performers like mm-hmm. to, to really inhabit the characters. And uh, Sky P. Marshall as Asia Asia, I feel like they pronounce yeah. it. Uh, just really brings so much empathy out of the character. Mm-hmm. And I think she becomes like an instantly recognizable person. So yeah, really liked your performance. Yeah, uh, especially when you're going uh, to live and die and live is a story of a dude who is going through his own addictions and he doesn't see that as a sickness. She's a character who does have a sickness back home in Detroit and it helps him realize where he is in his life. Uh, And their scenes are not just the most beautifully shot ones. Uh, They're the best scripted ones as well. So uh, if you do get a chance to catch to live and die and live, you have one of the best supporting performances of Sundance yeah. in that movie, the Sky P. Marshall. Uh, Josh in the live stream asked, which studio has picked this up? I'm not sure if he's talking about this one or sometimes I think about dying. The answer for both? None. No, not yet. yet at this point. Yeah. So yeah. We, we've uh, something that we I noticed at least is that there maybe are fewer pickups so far out of the Sundance Film Festival. We did get the second most expensive of all time. But a lot of these movies are still looking for a home. But, yeah. you know, they're definitely ones to put on your watch list, keep on your radar, especially something like To Live and Die and Live. Because it's not a movie that's going to end up getting like a huge promotion, but it's really a thoughtful and interesting one. Agreed. Good performances all around there. But <sighs> Amanda? You've done your research on this next one over here. This is a movie that's disgusting, crazy. Uh, I don't even know what the audience is going to be on this one. But Infinity <laughs> had so many great performances and double performances, you could even say. But there's one who took yeah. it away. The performance of Gabby by Mia Goth. Talk about it, Amanda. Arguably, I'm going to say Skarsgård stole the show more. I think when you watch it twice, Easily. you realize how much nuance he's gotten little things. But Gabby is there. She's like the conductor of this nightmare. The, <laughs> the like, Jamesy is going to be like, just <laughs> burned in my brain forever. This is her. She's having, having so much fun. A ton of fun. She is just yeah. firing on, on every cylinder. Um, and she's so good at dancing and towing the line of you know, building this person up and then pushing them into these insane scenarios and, and just kind of like making this person feel like the king shit that they believe they are when they might not necessarily be that. So, no, she's she's fantastic. She's really just kind of becoming this the queen of this genre and deservedly so. Yeah, definitely the modern scream queen. I mean, anybody who's saying that Pearl should have been nominated for an Oscar is going to be loving this they're, performance they're she's can, so can so I make a, uh, big and expressive and loud yeah do you call her a scream queen when she's not the one screaming when she's screaming but the opposite i mean she's side. certainly if, screaming if she's, james in this movie yeah, she's How screaming, about she screaming? She's, she's yelling she's the one who makes people I mean. scream <laughs> I said, what I mean. so is she is she the nightmare or is she can she be the scream queen if she, she has is the redefined scream queen yeah she's redefining the queen of the movies like that make you scream she has taken it back and is not the yeah. one screaming it causing others to torment. there we go i like can that. you imagine i don't even want to know what the heck she's going to do with maxine at this point it's just going to be it's going to be over <laughs> i'm excited tough. for maxine but mia goth coming in at our 10 9 8 7 spot for infinity pool out in theaters now without some cuts that were made at some <laughs> it's not that you still hear the james uh this next one was one that i think what do you, you argued for this one yeah uh we were a little bit iffy on one of the characters in this movie because he's supposed to be a little bit older but then amanda described him like really fitting into this role with how he's described we're giving it to nicholas braun as robert Absolutely. in cat person yeah i mean i think 
Nicholas Braun is this actor who's become like pretty well known for a certain type of guy. Like, he's so good as the with the nervous energy of Cousin Greg on Succession, and I think you see a lot of that, although maybe like a slightly different side of it in Zola, where he also stands mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. This this is like a deepening of what you can do with someone like Nick, Nicholas Braun because he's got these anxieties and insecurities that he has in this role, but he's like. So it seems so not in his head. Yeah. That's just kind of just like a very regular dude and so regular in a way that I feel like they don't, don't normally make movies about guys like mm -hmm. this. He's just like very seems very relatable, but but also seems very like clueless in the way that Nicholas Braun can play very funny. And with a film like this, too, which is really trying to ride that line between like kind of horrific and kind of comedic, he executes that perfectly i thought i think the movie i don't think the movie works perfectly but i would think it would have been a disaster With without that, that's a, a role point. like that amanda mm -hmm. yeah i agree uh the short story describes a kind of different person but one of the big thing was just kind of how he like leans over into himself in a way because and that's like the perfect description of nicholas braun he's just got kind of like this way about him you see it a lot in succession just kind of how he carries his height uh, and I think that that really yeah. adds mm -hmm. for this person in Cat Person who can simultaneously become like kind of intimidating while also seeming like unassuming. But does that make them more dangerous? And is there actually any danger at all? And it just kind of swirls. So I think he did a really amazing job. I agree that I, in my opinion, I don't really like where the movie goes. It is it's insane where it goes, but I, I don't, yeah. I think that's a wholly different conversation, but I don't think it would have worked anywhere near as well without someone like Nicholas Braun bringing Robert to yeah. the screen. We get deeper into our thoughts on like what worked and didn't on Cat Person in our uh, best yes, drama genre. Do we put that one in? Um, <laughs> kind of, because kind of, I think line. they got to watch both. Yeah, got to watch both of the recap and we see which one Cat Person is. And this is definitely, this is definitely going to be one where after the credits, people are going to be the baiting this movie yeah. so much so uh we don't have a date for this one yeah yet. i don't think this one even has a distributor although studio canal was the produ production company oh, i think i bet you that. they're they're like trying to get a huge offer and we'll see okay this one yeah, is definitely going to come out i was wondering if some movies hadn't been picked up because there is actually more of a battle behind the scenes where people are trying to negotiate right. like who's going to get it because like i said there were a lot of standouts this festival so some of these companies mm -hmm. might really be kind of holding out for either bigger deals or some of them might have been waiting that's for the, premieres to to kind of be like yeah. look you know we you know that's the like other that, thing so. just in terms of the potential holding out for bigger deals cat person is one of the films that definitely came to Sundance expecting to be a big sale. Came to Sundance expecting to be the talk of the fest. Damn. I wonder if maybe that's what did it. I think maybe they, they, I think they are waiting for their like $20 million offer that's not coming. Maybe they shouldn't oversell coming. those tickets and deny people <laughs> press access when the movie ends up getting pooped, right? Yeah. Look, yeah. I uh, went in very skeptical. skeptical. I kind of like this. It's not a yeah. perfect movie. I just loved how crazy it went. I was just in that headspace of him being Cousin Greg going insane and yeah. what delivered and there he is in our mid spot. Getting into our one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. Top five we have from a movie we're a little mixed on, but I think we all agree that this performer stood out. Yayu A.W. Unru, who just appeared. We finally caught up, Amanda, on The Last of Us because we were sick and tired of people spoiling the last episode, <laughs> which is fantastic. That's, that's our intercut quick review on the last episode of Last of Us. Incredible. This man Ooh. appeared in it, and he plays the father figure in Jamojaya, the father of Rich Brian, who originally is his manager and then decides to 
Well, he doesn't decide. He has no choice. He gets mm-hmm. fired by his son. <laughs> unless he, he has something to say yeah. about it. He was, he's, he was great in this movie. We A lot of our anticipation for John Mojai was to see Rich Brian. And I think it's telling that That's we crazy, all came yeah. the, out of the movie talking about this performance from Yayu, which really Even does steal the scene. More than that, because they have him doing the same thing every single... Like yeah. He did it, and he's going to do it again, he's going to do it again. And we still were like, that's a lot. Yeah, he did it really good that third time. <laughs> uh, so he, he was clearly a standout here. And it was interesting how he got cast off of mime videos. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, he was a performer yeah. as well, but like that's an aspect that he does in his free time, and then it gets incorporated into the movie. It makes... It comes out of nowhere, yeah. randomly... But it got us all to laugh. His performance was a standout. Very good physical performance. Really good in The Last of Us as mm-hmm. well uh, from that cold open. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing him more stuff. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little about Joyland, though. Because there's plenty of performances mm-hmm. we could have pulled out of that film. Both of you got to see it in The Egyptian. Mm-hmm. We've been having our discussions. Who was your standout on this movie? Uh, you want to go first, Amanda? Yeah. Uh, she was definitely one of them. Uh, I think I described it as like the movie's is technically centered around one person, but then it's the people that he interacts with that end up getting kind of more of the spotlight and more of the show and justifiably so. Um, I think she did amazing. Uh, If you try to imagine this movie without a strong performance uh, out of uh, a character like Mumtaz, it it would become a lot weaker as a result. And that was kind of something I was surprised about. I really thought it was going to focus more uh, on the other side of things with uh, with Bima and um, on that side. And it does focus a lot over there. But it actually does take the time to make this character a very well-rounded character, not just the person that, like, based on principle, he should have some kind of loyalty to. They give us a reason to, like, understand everything about the dynamic of this relationship and, and the family that he uh, and she are a part of. I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. She absolutely blew me away. There are, like, full moments so where it completely good. focuses in on her um, for us and, like, the duration of something. And I, I thought it was a truly, really fantastic performance. Mm-hmm. We're going to be bringing this up for a couple more acting awards and some other different awards as well. But Joylin was a spotlight movie that I thought was really fantastic. Rasti Farouk, hands down. Uh, so I'm going to keep your eye. Yeah. Next up, Theater Camp yeah. with a surprise performance that really took us off guard from Noah Gallup. Talk exactly. About I mean, because I think we were, again, one of those films where we're coming in. How good is Ben, ben, ben Platt going to be? Mm-hmm. Is Molly Gordon going to be as good as we want her to be? But Noah Galvin is the one who absolutely steals this film. I mean, he has such a key role in the finale and yeah. is so, so funny in it. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a really great performance, great comedic timing and shows off a range of his abilities. Uh, I've always been quoting him as saying Barcelona. Now I have yeah, so I many more Barcelona. because of Theater Camp. <laughs> so Noah so Galvin good. as Glenn in Theater Camp. Easily top three performance. Uh, Amanda, you got to see his performance with me. John Magaro as Arthur in Past Lives, the standout of the fest. Talk I'd argue it. him above. I, I would actually argue. I feel I feel like he should be in the number one spot here, personally. Ooh, um, go for it. I think he should. I, I like who we got at number one, but I, I think that there's just a new I think I agree to, with you. To, to Magaro's performance that is just... It, it so much hinges on him and and like people like getting kind of uncomfortable but and kind of laughing at things and it's like yeah but if this was happening to you it would be like the it would be the most like gut stab thing in the world but he did such an amazing job being this like patient person this kind partner this understanding person while you see every hit and blow in his eyes because they're just such sad eyes like I watched Big Short on the plane yesterday and it was just all coming back. Um, good. But yeah, I, th- I would Rewatch argue that he should be in the number one spot. 
Yeah. Uh, I love him too. John McGarrow, easily a standout from the movie. And when you hear his Q&As on it, it, it he's playing himself to a degree. And I thought yeah. he was a standout. But we all did like this performer. The way the rules work, I guess it goes up. It really, it's our top three. Mm-hmm. Glenn from Theater Camp, Arthur from Past Lives. And someone who just made us laugh so much in this movie from You Hurt My Feelings. How about Michaela Watkins? Uh, Michaela, I mean, a very funny performer generally, but I think gets a perfect role for her kind of like, um, (laughs) I feel like she's really fun when she gets to play like frustrated, but doesn't want to show it. Mm -hmm. And she gets so many moments in this film from like that little bit with picking out light fixtures to just dealing with their mom together. I mean, a perfect, uh, person to play off of Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think they have a lot of the same comedic energy. Yeah, they were in a playground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she also get there's a depth to her character in this mm-hmm. film too. And I, I love that the film goes from exploring Julia, Louis, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's relationship to her sister's relationship. Yeah, her I, I really uh, love Michaela Watkins in this role. Those were all our supporting performances. If you have anyone that stood out to you, let us know down below in the comments. Oh, we Wiley got some already. Todd. Yeah, we already oh, got oh, some. Oh, already. Let's go. Uh, yeah, Wally Todd mentioned he would love to see the boyfriend from Slow in this category. I have him as an honorable mention. It depends how you see him. I kind of saw him as co-lead, so yeah. I saw keep, keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's uh, definitely another performance worth spotlighting, too. So. For sure. Uh, Wally Todd also had a quick question for us asking if he thinks we think South by Southwest or Tribeca will have any virtual elements to them as Sundance did this year. I mean, it's a it's a big question because it feels like a lot of films are, film festivals are trying to steer away from them. Well, a lot of people in this one were saying, yeah, we got to get rid of those festivals. I was like, or the online portion. Yeah. Like, no, this is the best version of it because a lot of you in Acuities were logging in. More movies than us sometimes. Uh, <laughs> because you had the chance to see it at home, we wouldn't be able to have as many if we didn't get the chance to see it at home. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it that we really argue for is we will still, as press, get links. Yeah. Y'all won't. Exactly. There was plenty of films like You Hurt My Feelings. We had a chance to see online. But like even in no general. No one else got access yeah, online. Yeah, even if you were to take away all of the online yeah. screenings, there are still going to be Vimeo links that get sent to us. Yeah. I like the I like the fact that there's the ability for y'all to watch it at home. They need to keep it. Yeah. Um, so I would put that as one of the uh, best things to come out of the festival. But those are for a special jury yeah. prize. We are moving on to our inner cut. Up and Comer Award. Yeah. We had a lot of honorable mentions that we had in this from Raven Jackson, who did All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I really uh, loved uh, the directors of Talk to Me, Michael mm-hmm. Filippo and Danny Filippo. Basically, the only reason we don't have them here is we might be talking about them a little bit more later. Yes, sir. But the, yeah. the main reason for this category is these are the people who we basically did not really know nope. or at least didn't have a familiarity with before Sunday had started. And now we're going to be looking for everything they're going to do. Take it away. All right. So uh, at the number five slot, I got Wale Oyejide. Yes, sir. The director and writer of Bravo Burkina, uh, a man who's done some film work in the past. He's a costume designer on Black Panther. Uh-huh. And I think that knowledge, that that element that he's bringing in is totally evident in Bravo Burkina because mm-hmm. the, the film is full of these really vivid colors and Outfits that are memorable. I, I'm still obsessed with that dude's red and yellow like robe jacket. It's gonna come up again in one of, uh, another category easily. Yeah. Um, it's it just the film is also this, got this really magical realist element. It feels like a fable. So it, it's just interesting to get this kind of vision from a guy who has a background in music, has a background in fashion design, is moving into film now. Uh, we found out he also was briefly a lawyer. Like this dude's stuff in museums. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he's one of those. He's people. very. Yeah, he's he's a very very interesting guy and made a very interesting movie. So I'm I'm very curious to what he's going to try to do next. Keeping him on there, I personally have one at number four. 
Chloe DeMont for Fair Play. Mm. She had yes. the biggest pickup of the festival. $20 million. Yes. Going to Netflix. She wrote, directed this. And honestly, I thought she did a killer job with it. She has one of my favorite performances uh, out of this movie. And it was the film that I said is so miserable and tense. And it feels like you're, you're, you're staying with somebody who is arguing the entire time. I don't know if I want to revisit it, but I thought it was a four-star <laughs> movie. So yeah. Chloe DeMont uh, picked do. up by T-Series. And yeah, uh, I said T-Series. Oh, well, you got picked up by T-Street. That T-Series is a completely different yeah. thing. Uh, yep. But T-Street from Ryan Johnson, it's his production company. So it definitely has those thriller elements. Um, and we will be mentioning a little bit more of Chloe DeMond. Yeah, later on. and Amanda was the, the biggest fan of Fair Play of all. Oh, you were? So what, what, do you, what, do you, yeah. uh, what are you really struck by Chloe DeMond's work? Uh, I think she did just an incredible job navigating the tension where it almost goes too far in a couple places where like the audience is like, oh my God, are they good? They're, they're not going to do it here. Oh my God, they are going to do it here. And you're just waiting to see what the fallout's going to be. I really liked how um, she kind of directed like the opposite perspectives of each of these people and how they uh, relate to that and deal with it in their day-to-day -day lives as one of them being like, well, this is just what you expect and you work hard. And then the other one being like, like I am not okay being here and just how they... She escalates the performances out of these characters um, I thought was just incredible and then she was so cool like she came on I saw the premiere not the premiere but she was at the showing and it's just she was the just so cool so confident and oh, how she, nice. yeah I saw like the second screening and like they were all there for it but she just had this confidence like she walked out and she's like you know usually they do a big intro and she's just like I'm just gonna let the movie speak for itself and we'll talk later and that was nice it. I was like damn she confident that's I sick. like that so yeah that's dope to see uh, easily Chloe DeMont. She continues being a writer director. I'm sure she's going to have a bunch of other uh, movies on the horizon that, that are going to stand out. Uh, let's talk about a thousand and one. Yeah. This is a movie that also comes from another writer director, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Avi Rockwell. Avi Rockwell killed it, dude. A debut and one that ended up picking up the grand jury prize Biggest for one? U.S. Dramatic. So uh, we're not the only ones who were really swept away by this vision of Harlem in the 90s and early 2000s, this story of a, a mother and son. And I just think, you know, it's one thing to be, to, to have told this beautiful, this drama beautifully. Like it's a really well told story, but it's also- A lot of eras that you're going through? Yeah, and it's also the way that it really feels so lived in just, not just from the writing, but from the production design. We all came away from it talking about how good the costuming was, how good the makeup was, how good that score was. Shout out to that. We'll talk about it more in the future. Mr. But Gun, you, you know, killed it, it. it ultimately comes down to a director having that over-the-top vision, that control over the product. And A.B. Rockwell, more than most people, I think, demonstrated like a really comprehensive vision for her film. Yes, sir. At a number two spot, I'm going to let Amanda take this away because we had it, not a one, not a two, Three people standing out from Ryan Lane, a movie that I, it was the last one I caught and y'all kept hyping it up. Ryan Lane coming from Rain Allen Miller. She's on the list. Ryan Lane giving us the, what, lead performance for the first time from mm -hmm. Vivian Opara. Killed it. Uh, you've loved this mm -hmm. dude in- um, Industry. Looks like it's his first time in a feature film. Yeah. All three clearing it here. Amanda, praise these mm -hmm. people the same way you were praising them to me. They were so fantastic. Like, the, everything is just so good. There's just, like, a, a fantastic, like, eye to detail from, like, the directing standpoint. And then also from, like, the screenwriting standpoint, which is both Rain Allen Miller. Like, there's just so much. Like, yes. Just, it's so intimate with these two characters as you're learning about them. But then you also get this, like, rich world around them. And everything feels very alive. And it feels very weird. 
and for something to technically fall under like the rom-com category and like resonate with this many people and and hit with everybody both like the, the critics loved it press loved it uh audiences are loving it yeah. like that's a really impressive thing to do it's got a lot of really like vibrant uh colorful fast um, solid editing that might feel a little bit like an Edgar Wright, but then also kind of like unique in its own way. I know in the full video, we talk a little bit about how effectively like the fisheye lens is used and doesn't feel like it's a fisheye yeah. lens. Like it doesn't feel like you're watching like an old 90s skater video, but then the performances nah. out of these two, they just demand to be fallen in love with. Like you just, you feel yes. them as people, you know who they are, they're flawed, but you, you learn to love them because of those flaws and a lot of their flaws might be reflected in you. So I thought, uh, it was just yeah. a, a tender, oh. <laughs> hilarious movie. I was laughing so much, uh, and it stuck the landing, which yeah. is, is hard a lot of the time. Absolutely. And that's the thing, though, with romantic comedies, too, is that, like, not only are you asking to watch two people fall in love, but you as an audience member really have to kind of fall in love with them. And that mm -hmm. comes down to the, how they are written, how they're performed. Like, mm -hmm. they, they become such, like, indelible, unique fun funny characters so instantly that you're you're on their side and you're on the movie side so that's, that's a credit that's not only to the writing the directing but those performances from Vivian Opara and David Johansson who are now actors that I'm like definitely looking out for this is coming out in April on Hulu it deserves to be seen in theaters but that's going to be available for you a thousand and one's going to be coming out March 31st that's right around the horizon obviously y'all know about mm -hmm. Fairplay coming out to Netflix but we're beginning it with the number or our number one spot, easily the 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 greatest debut. Before I say that, Devesh is pretty funny that she escaped the Bridgerton confidence. <laughs> yeah. First it was uh Renee, and now baby's <laughs> got it. Bro, Bridgerton can't keep them. Damn. Well, what we are keeping in our hearts is Celine Song's debut feature, yes. Past Lives. Ooh. Already talked about one supporting performance. Now we're talking about the director. Mm -hmm. The rest of them would be on this if they weren't already in a bunch of other things. This is her debut. Mm -hmm. um, do any of us disagree with this not being nah. the biggest up and comer? No. I mean, I think no. I think we were all just so so taken by this movie, and for it to be her debut, it's absolutely incredible. I call Amanda, but yeah, let the movie no speak for it. itself. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be really to. good. It's just beautiful. Uh, again. <laughs> If y'all have any up-and-comers, people who you saw doing debuts, it could be from shorts, it could be from docs, it could be yeah. from anything, let us know down below in the comments section as we move on. Keep it trugging here with cinematography. This is a uh, one that had so many different options. The Eight Mountains was fantastic. Sorcery, we, mm -hmm. we wanted it to be a little bit bigger, but damn, did it look beautiful. Joyland. I can talk about Joyland all day, but let's get into our top five. Zach, this one was a horror movie that has no business appearing on so many of our top five lists. Uh, first, I'll just shout out that Amanda just threw like 10 stars in the document under Eight Mountains. So I think she's got her pick for the best of the honorable mentions. Amanda, <laughs> tell me what yeah. happens in Eight Mountains. Like, like they capture the Eight Mountains. <laughs> They count. They capture the Eight Mountains. The only thing, the reason why I'm happy leaving it in the honorable mentions is because it premiered a con. Same thing with with Joyland. It had True. premieres in other places. We'll leave it for the exclusives to this. But like, my God, I don't understand how they got some of the shots they did in Eight Mountains. So it makes no sense. Yeah, it's beautiful, and the story's beautiful too. So it's great. But yeah, uh, yeah once, let's dive once that catches it, the Intercut Awards, you're going to see Eight Mountains. Yeah, and you probably will still see. Talk to me. Yes, talk to me. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. such a. Uh, clear vision for horror. I mean, it's not necessarily got 
the like refined look of a lot of other A24 films, but it's it is this film I keep forgetting. Yeah, because it feels so different compared to what they normally do in the horror space. But this one is so visceral and so like punishing and nasty. And I think they're able to depict all this stuff in a way that it's not, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily indulging, but it is kind of exposing you to the things you don't want to be exposed yeah. to. And, and I, I don't know, it's a, particularly towards the end, once they get into sequences that bleed into other sequences, there's a lot of really cool filmmaking done in there. So yep. I, I'm really, you know, we'll talk about the directors of this one more, but I think there's just so much going for uh, what I think was all of our favorite horror film from the fest. I think so. Yeah. I think we all put it up mm -hmm. at the top, so talk to me. Really good camera work. It's gonna freak people out. I'm excited for people to see that. Jamo Jaya. This was a movie. I apologize, I made y'all sit really close because I wanted to see Rich Brian. But damn, could we also see the film grain, one of the most beautifully projected movies that feels like you're living in a music video. We we ended up not vibing as much with the story as we yeah. wanted to. We already told you all about the supporting performance here, but the, the, the cinematography here was fantastic and the way that it was able to blend all these colors. There were some very um, like mystical scenes, but not fully where they're telling you uh, of a proverb in Indonesia. It, it just looked fantastic overall. Uh, and I definitely would argue for it being in the top five. Jamo Jaya. Amanda, we got to experience the most beautiful New York shots in past lives, vent about them. So good. <laughs> It was just so good. It's another one of those ones that it's pulling you in because of the excellent character work and this excellent, like, just not even sometimes dialogue between them, just like shots between them and the emotion you can genuinely feel from the characters. Yes. But that's all just brought together by these just beautiful shots of, of everywhere they are. And sometimes they're just real simple ones. Like, they're not reinventing the wheel when people are having like Skype conversations, but everything just comes together so beautifully and, and it feels like you're in New York when, when you're looking at these scenes. Like it, it authentically feels like that's where you are and you can kind of feel the energy of the city around the people um, as they're kind of going about their day-to-day their -day lives here. Um, and even when the stuff is shot in Korea, like I've never been to Korea, but it just, it mm -hmm. feels authentically. Like, and they shot there. You know, yeah. You, yeah. And they shot there. That's what I mean. So you can tell that they shot there and she put great care into the authenticity of this movie instead of being like, well, it'd be cheaper if we just filmed everything in like Toronto mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I think that she did there an incredible job. There, it's a film that's full of like yearning and these like repressed feelings, these like unspoken feelings. And they're able to communicate so much of that through how it's shot. Like there's an amazing, amazing shot early in the film where you see two children walk the different paths. Oh, yes. That's what I was yes. thinking when yeah. I'm talking about like the Korea scenes, when I'm talking about the Korea scenes, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Like that split. Oh yeah. It's oh. fantastic. I, I would just say whoever they got, uh, to rent out all the Dolly tracks, that person's eating well. <laughs> Some crazy Dolly tracks in New York City. Fantastic. Uh, Josh in the live stream asked the question, can past lives be this year's After Sun where it's an exceptional debut film? And I feel like I've been seeing- This ain't getting hit. No, this, I think this is gonna be way, it was clearly one of the standouts of the festival. I am, and with A24 being, yeah. who, who had After Sun? Uh, was that also A24? They messed up with After Sun. Yeah. They better not mess up here. That's the thing. Like, I think I think yeah. this is going to be a bigger hit than After Sun is. Whereas After Sun kind Same of quality, if that's what was this sort of like under-discussed thing that people really responded to and have been championing. This one is going to be one of the bigger 
films pushed yeah. this year because everybody who saw it at Sundance was really and really because good. it was one of the ones that wasn't online, it had such high mm. uh, the IndieWire thing. Right. So IndieWire pulled pulled all the critics who attended Sundance. They ended up, ended, ended up interviewing or polling three hundred seventy four this year, uh, including us. Mm -hmm. And although. Uh, only the critics who were here in Utah had a chance to see past lives. It still came in yeah. at number two on their list. Because out of those 300, a lot of people were still at home. Yeah, so, so the fact yeah. that it was that high, I think, speaks volumes to the movie and how well it's going to do. Yeah. Top two, cinematography. Amanda talked about this one. How do you shoot something with a fisheye lens? Capture everything. Make it funny, make it dramatic, but not make it look. I love how you said it. A skateboarder video from the 90s. They absolutely <laughs> killed it with this movie. It's vibrant. Uh, it really flows well uh, in terms of just the way that they're walking throughout mm -hmm. the day, the way that they're able to do these close-ups, and then just some really funny reaction shots. There's this one in a theater with multiples. Yes. That's all I will say. I want, you know, when you like really want a screenshot so bad, I want that GIF so bad. Uh, yeah. Riley, easily one of the standouts of the year for me in terms of cinematography. Y'all hyped it up exactly the way you should have. Uh, I'm excited for people to see this, hopefully on a big screen, because at home for Hulu, still gonna look nice, but damn, it looks good up on the big screen. As well as our final one over here. However you feel about this movie, however you're prepped going into it, knowing that it's a mood piece, it is undeniable. Mm -hmm. that all dirt roads taste of salt is exquisite. Yeah. I mean, for any film to be so dominant in its visual story, there's a very, very little cinematography. Yeah. It's it, speaking through its image. Exactly. Like that is the, the number one thing to take away from this film mm -hmm. is how, how the, the images they've composed, how they choose to put them together. It, it, it really is a film that speaks through uh, visuals yeah. and it, it has a lot to say. Bro, I don't want to call it. What's the Lubeski one? <laughs> What's his name? The tree, uh, uh, tree, tree of life? life. Yeah, I don't want to invoke that. Yeah, but I'm gonna throw it out there. It's got these sweeping, nice shots where it's closing in uh, on, on touches. Really, those warm embraces. Yeah, a lot of focus on hands. Oh, and I, I talked about it being like the live moment of a photo. This mm -hmm. portrait that you've captured. If you were living in that moment, this is what the movie feels like. All dirt roads taste of salt. Topping our best cinematography of the year. The year, I'm already talking about that, uh, of the year for Sundance. Yes. But hey, who knows? I see that sticking, sticking all the way to the end. Best screenplays. Y'all got any any extra ones there that stand out to you? I, I really like Slows. That was a very good screenplay that I believe is an original uh, story. Yeah, I mean, I really like Talk To Me. I think I think it's- We were really surprised on the Lord for Talk To Me. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. we were gonna bring it up a lot of places, but I'll bring it up here too. Mm -hmm. uh, Amanda? Uh, yeah, I also agree. I, I think slow is a bit on the slow side, but uh, it's intentional. <laughs> it, it's because you need the time to like build with these characters to to get to the point where you can really understand kind of what they're each going through. So I appreciate that. Um, also, a huge fan of what's going on in Talk to Me. The the ending of Talk to Me is like the ultimate gut punch. Like I know everybody went into this <laughs> festival hyping Infinity Pool as like the horror movie of the fest. It's gonna be this. It's gonna be that. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Cronenberg's name. Infinity Pool is a lot of things. I think Talk To Me walks circles around it in a lot of ways, runs circles around it in a lot of ways. But it's, they're okay. different types of movies entirely. They are different horror movies. Some people are going to get more out of Infinity Pool than out of Talk To Me. But Talk To Me felt refreshing in a genre of horror, of a style of horror that is so easy just to feel stale. Mm -hmm. Agreed. 
I'm also going to throw a really quick one in there, La Pesera, the way it talks about Puerto Rico. Mm. Really, really good. Check that one out if you can. Zach, you started off with the number five spot, the last minute edition that we had there because we find ourselves continuously, even though we didn't love the movie, but we really liked it. Yeah. We keep bringing up moments from this film. Yeah. I mean, we, we have been like finding all these ways in which the film shortcomings kind of resonates just with like everyday life. And I think it's really a credit to... Uh, not just the script, but the book that it's based on, mm-hmm. graphic, novel. graphic novel that it's based on, both of which written by the same man, Adrian Tomine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just really hits on these elements of culture, elements of life, elements of like racial discussions that are very true. They're not they're not like academic discussions. They're things that people discuss every day Emotional with friends stuff, yeah, yeah. and going through relationships and stuff like that. So there's just like a, a real relatability to mm-hmm. the things that happen in this film, the things that are discussed in this film uh, that makes it, made it stick with us, I think. Mm-hmm. And so more, more than anything, I think it is really the script to, to credit for mm-hmm. all that resonance. Uh, he should also be credit. I don't know why I don't see him here, but he did, he wrote Paris district 13 or hmm. Paris 13th district, which was one we gave a shout out to. So he's a really good writer and I'm, I'm looking forward to picking up those books from him. Uh, Amanda, take it away. You were talking about the confidence this woman had. Floyd Demont, Spare Play script, obviously going to appear here again. Yeah, so this is it's just one of those ones that um, because it is just this like kind of like very quick in a lot of areas, kind of back and forth between two characters. Obviously, a lot of that it, it hinges on the screenplay and whether or not you can believe these characters would like reach where they're reaching and get where they're getting. And I think they absolutely do. Um, I, obviously, it does get a little. Um, I think some people might say it gets a little excessive at times, but I can see that if somebody's going to keep heightening, somebody's going to have to reach an area to match it. Uh, and it's okay. True. It's a movie. It's allowed to get a little bit more <laughs> intense. But It's uh, on Netflix. It's, it's going to be on Netflix. I, I just really, I, I really enjoyed uh, the screenplay for this one. I really love the dynamic between the two characters. I really like specifically how Alden Ehrenreich's character is written uh, and kind of have you compare some of his qualities early on and then how they kind of shift later on. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like that because it would be so easy just to start a character off always being one way, but to have them kind of morph as a result of something happening, I think is is way more realistic and very interesting to watch. So I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. These next three are movies that we've been bringing up a lot. So it's like we've already told you why they're so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rain Allen Miller, yet again, coming up here for her script for Rylane. If you write a script and people compare it to Edgar Wright, I'm like, y'all keep calling it a rom-com. To me, this is just a great movie. Like, yeah. I can't even... It's a great movie. It is a rom-com, but it's yeah. just, like, so well, out of it. From what it's technically seen. something that would fall under the rom-com category. No, but, but you're so right. It is a rom-com. It's just it's so, so much more. good. It's, so and it's like, I feel like I'm pigeonholing <laughs> yeah. it because the rom-coms have been so cliche recently. Yeah. This reinvented it. It's, it's, yeah. A rom-com should be happy to have this movie in its yeah. category. Because it's also, yeah. like... I think a lot of times romantic comedies are so focused on like the the falling in love, and this is almost about how they're falling like falling in like with each other, and then there's also going to be in a relationship. Like it really is how they become yeah. like good okay. friends yes, that yeah. decide to date easily, right? Uh, so easy standout here. These next three are all ones that we loved. At number two, maybe I guess uh, you hurt my feelings. Another great script mm-hmm. dealing with all of these intricacies of the way you put it, the yeah. light force majeure. <laughs> exactly, the cozy force majeure. Cozy, it's, yeah, that's a, much better. It's because uh, it, Nicole Hall of Center, I just think, has this real gift for very like intimate, personal 
films. Like it, her, her films are never very like bombastic or involving very big things. They're, they're a lot about a lot of them are like about kindness or about like social interactions. And she gets at all the little like nuances of white lies and trying to make your your significant other happy. I, I just think it's a fire script. It's really really strong. Easily. And at number one, talked about it. We're going to continue talking about it. Past lives. I don't like past picks, bro. We're just going to continue bringing it it's up. It's going to be here in almost <laughs> every song, category. Writer, director. It's the reason why she's our uh, intercut up and comer. She's also got one of the best scripts. So past lives, past lives, past lives. You're going to hear that name a lot. Uh, we're moving on to the best shorts. Ooh. So we're going to be bringing on, you know, we have our special screenings. Right. We have our late editions. Mm -hmm. But you also have the shorts festival that's consistent. It's yeah. something you could depend on. Just like Alina, who made sure to watch it. While we were watching 100 and something movies, Alina was keeping track of all of the shorts that were out there. Uh, let's talk about the top five shorts right here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Land in the middle, middle of us, if you could. Hey. How's it going? Pretty good. Here we go. I got them all right here. Oh. Go Let's by see. category. Those what are, are your not, shorts? I put them down at the bottom. All right. So there was about 64 shorts that played at the mm -hmm. festival. Yes. All of those were available to watch at home. Uh, except for a few. Except for a few because they were playing before movies. I think Connor got to see and them. some were only online only. Uh, yeah. So I didn't catch those, unfortunately. Um, but we have a top 10 list here. So starting from the bottom, moving on top. What do you got? So the first one I have is, uh, thank you, uh, Family Circus. Let me get on this chair because I'm too <laughs> short. Thank you. All right, Family Circus. Thank you. What'd you like about right. Family Circus? Uh, family Circus, they had a uh, big family gathering in the middle of the night because one of the brothers had an accident. And in all this circus, you could say, uh, they ended up inviting the cop over for a slice of pie. Oh, that's nice. And <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. It was great. It's actually going to be playing at South by Southwest hey, this oh, year. Nice. Catch it. So if you're nice. there, you can catch it there. Right, family Circus. The next one you had was Ricky. Ricky. So Ricky really liked the performances and it had a really solid ending. Now, this one is about uh, an ex-offender struggling with a new freedom and pursuing uh, redemption at all costs when giving a job nice. from his neighbor. So really like that. It's fast paced. Kind of puts you there, and at the end, you're like, oh. kind of feels like a thriller almost, or a little bit. Um, yeah, I could see it going into like a full feature, yeah. kind of like in that territory. I've seen we'll a see. lot of these. I think Ricky was the one, if not another one, where uh, you had a lot of directors this year saying, This is my proof of concept. If right. I can have it be seen by industry people, mm -hmm. then I can get funding from it. Yeah, future. and you know, one of my I favorite films from this year, Sundance, was Sometimes I Think About Dying, which was one of the best shorts. A right, Sundance yeah. short three years YouTube. ago or so. Wait, it was a Sundance short? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All right, then. It was uh, before we started watching the... Before we used to do online adjacent well, and the supplement that too, with that. Yeah, you would have to show up to these shorts programs and now you can watch them at home, which so is Hopefully fantastic. you continue Sundance to show these online. Please, Sundance. Right. You hear that, Robert? Uh, the next one is Headdress. So I really liked Headdress. It is a queer native confronted by a non-native wearing a ceremonial headdress. Ooh. And he retreats back into his mind to find the perfect response. So we get into his mind. It's kind of like the inside out of the different types of personalities oh, he has. Okay. And how he's going to react. So you have like the goth tie <laughs> and it's the professional, you know? So it's like you have all these different versions and eventually come up with an answer. Oh, dude. And we'll see if he responds. All right. Headdress, a short comedy from Sundance. This next one, I... The, the shorts expired on us, but there was two burger shorts for whatever reason. And this was the one that stood out to me the most. And they're Nocturnal burger. And they're completely different. 
<laughs> they look uh, <laughs> But the name burger. Uh, this one specifically, Nocturnal Burger, is somewhere between fantasy, trauma, paranoia, precaution, and the promise of a burger. Hmm. Uh, Knight gets catapulted into an investigation of child abuse at a dysfunctional police station in, in Mumbai. So it was shot very well. And while the topic was heavy, the ending hurt me even more. Oh. So... So not like the ending of the menu. Then. <laughs> it definitely was not. All right, I'm looking forward to. So it's this a sick week. title. Like nocturnal, nocturnal burger. Like yeah, that's it's a pretty sick title. title. Yeah, you you hear that and you're just like, what but is that I about? Know, I know. Know. It catches your attention. Fire. So if y'all are PR people for that, send us these shorts. We'd like <laughs> to see them. Uh, the next one that you have on here is "We Were Meant to." Yes. A short drama. Yeah. So this one has. It's a world where black men have wings. I saw you watching this one. Yes. Okay. And their first flight is like this rite of passage. Yeah. So it's like they, they go to like flight school. He takes like a class or like a course. His mom has to like sign the permission slip. Um, and it's like discovering like this rite of passage, just like coming of age. But it also is an allegory for many strong topics. And I think it does it very well. Hmm. I could so. already imagine the wings and not being able to fly. Be a good yeah. Thing. Okay. All right. So that's that pretty one, solid. Was great. We were meant to a short drama. <laughs> Alina kept hyping this one up the most. The moment she saw it, she says, "This is going to be one of your favorites." Mm-hmm. Everything got denied, canceled, <laughs> expired, and she literally told me this morning they've been expired for like two days. Yeah, man, I really wish you got to see the vacation. <laughs> Why? The vacation, like I know it's technically like this because. The synopsis is just this. A black man attempts to take a vacation. It's just, <laughs> it's just a man in his car trying to get to the beach. And it was great. It has the, the fun, you know, the comedy elements to it. All his friends coming into the car. They all brought everything that was great. Having the shoes on top of the car. Like every detail. And this is the one that you were thinking of making the proof of concept. For, That's the guy. Yes. Okay. For, for the feature. Uh, the last Who Survive in America is a feature that they're hoping to get. Mm. And you're looking forward to it. Easily. And it looks like he won some, what do you win? Oh, yes. Also won an award for special jury award for directing. Directing. All right. It looks like he's looks like we're gonna be seeing that feature then. No. Wait, this is okay. he's a... is it a spoiler to say what he is? I won't spoil it. I remember you telling me what he was. Oh, what I mean it kinda it kinda builds up to like the frustration right, of well, it, I'll but, leave, but leave I feel like that. that's more of okay. you know, you gotta watch it. The vacation. Check out the Stay short or check out the feature. Hopefully it gets made. I did get to see this next one. So you let's talk about Sweatshop Girl. Ooh. Yes. So Sweatshop Girl. It actually, one of the shots was in the Sundance intro. Um, it's, it is it about. Got, uh, upgrade. <laughs> the next a, a lot of these were, I don't know if I mentioned it for any of the other hmm. ones, but um, it has Ines, who works as a seamstress in a sweatshop. Played by Yalitza, dude, from Roma. Ooh. Yeah. Where pregnancy tests are periodically administered. So... She has a friend who is supposed to come in and help her, and that doesn't pan out. So mm-hmm. now, somewhere throughout this shift of work, she needs to figure things out or be fired. So, really enjoyed that one. There's a shot, and I think if if you're streaming on this, if you open up the second link on Sweatshop on on the drama, mm-hmm. uh, it'll show the specific shot in the images, and it's her in a staircase. It is beautiful. This is the shot that was in the... In, right there. No, it's not the one in the... Ooh. Uh, intro, but it's such a beautiful Ooh. shot, All right. and it's like at a pivotal moment, and it's just, it's fantastic. Is this the one with a certain producer? This one? No, that was uh, the uh, another one from that was for Ricky. 
Oh, that was a Ricky. Oh, Ricky is, well, I'll go through them again. But Ricky is also produced by Kerry Fukunaga. That used to mean something back in the day, but I guess it, it's still there. Um, let's get into the top three, then we'll recap everything because I saw some questions in there. Yeah. Uh, tell me about Margie Sodex Salt and Pepper Shakers. Yes. So this is a little doc. What? And it's actually has, it's very interesting because it tells you the story about Margie and her entire collection of salt shakers. There are some wild salt shakers that she has collected over the years. And the only way that I can describe this doc is if Searching did a documentary of all these cute little salt shakers, <laughs> but then also showing me the breakdown, like sh like screen sharing almost the completing of this documentary. I don't know Decent. if that made any sense, Okay, but it's editing the film that you're then showing to me. Fascinating. Oh, yeah. So, well, this is the one that you say had an editor from. Yes. Uh, so the editor on this film is the director of Strawberry Mansions, which director? Yes. I thought it was the editors. No, the director of Strawberry Mansions is e okay. Did, the, did some editing with the with the short as well. Wow, we kind of like that movie. <laughs> uh, and you said it was going to be at South by Southwest 2023. Yes. So I'm going to keep that one. If you're going to be at South by, it's another there one to look out go. for. I already right. got my stamp of approval. Top two. So the top two. So this next one. It's one of those where like it almost confuses you and that's why it intrigues you. It's called See on the Day When the Magic Returns. Now, this is about Senjin. Once had the power to have everything she wanted just by thinking about it. Decent. But she's lost her magic. That sucks. And it's her going to help her father and it's like jumping and it's this crazy roller coaster of a thing. And it's a short and it's the animation's beautiful. So it, it made it to my top. Right. Top three on that one. And your number one movie. I think this one I got to see before the festival with you. Yes. Also playing at South by 2023. Yes. Take Me Home. Yeah. So Take Me Home is a story about Anna and her sister. And after their mother's death, they have to figure out one, just dealing with just after a parent's death in general. But the sister... Uh, is cognitively disabled. I believe she has Down syndrome. Someone who has a sibling with a disability worried about that scene in Gilbert Gray coming through. This is that scene in Gilbert Gray when they, when they find the mom mm. as a short film. In, uh, in her Meet the Artist, which was fantastic, which I recommend watching it for ta uh, Take Me Home, she mentions that Anna uh, had a cyst on her frontal lobe. And then that's oh. what uh, gave her short-term memory and other unique disabilities. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, it's actually really cool to have your own sister in the film, to be able to That's act That's her own it. sister? Yes. And in the Take Me Home, you kind of see a little of the behind the scenes, which kind of added more. And it was okay. very sweet. Uh, so yeah, this one, this one was very good. Hmm. All right. Going back through them at the number one spot, we had Take Me Home, also playing at South by Southwest. Yes, sir. We had The Sea on the Day When the Magic Returns, which mm -hmm. was a very nice animated short. Margie Sodex Salt and Pepper Shakers edited on Premiere. Very decent. Uh, Sweatshop Girl, which I also did get to see, and I would put my thumbs up on that one. I can see this one making it to the Oscar shortlist Ooh, next year. Okay. Uh, the Vacation, which is, I don't have a choice. This is the top of my radar, according to Alina. Uh, looking forward to that one. We Were Meant To, which I saw some people asking yeah, about. Yeah, that's the one that LaShawn asked in the live stream comments about the black men with wings. Mm -hmm. yeah. this, one, this one looked awesome from what I saw and yeah. after she told me how the story ends. Because I guess to it's add bad. to it a little bit, uh, I don't know, was Coded Bias at Sundance? Yes, it was. was. So Coded Bias was at Sundance and that kind of touched upon how uh, when you have darker tones in your face, the facial uh, recognition software, the software yeah. is just in this world. That's done. Mm. In this world, there are drones 
And, you know, there's just like that element to it, you know? So it's like, not to that extent of coded bias, but just mm -hmm. putting the technology and it's like, if you leave a machine to it, does it perform better or not? Okay. Also, I had a, the vacation. This is the one for we were meant to with the wings right yes. there. Yes, we, we were meant uh, to, And yep. then knocking it out is Nocturnal Burger, which I'm looking forward to. Hat Dress, which I have to figure out what he, which motion I guess he picks. Ricky, again, Kerry Fukunaga is a producer, if that mm -hmm. means something to you. <laughs> Might not be a good thing anymore. <laughs> right, they're trying to hide hey, it, they don't know how to push it. Don't let that suppress it. <laughs> and it's yeah, a great it short. Itself is good. It's right. a great short. Thank you, Alina, for all of the yeah. short films. We appreciate it. And if she didn't mention it, it's not good. Yeah. So I literally had to dwindle this down to 10. Yeah, but uh, I loved watching the shorts. I loved yeah. all of them. Just There's just, a bunch of other ones. Yeah. And uh, not only with this clip right here, but we're also going to have on the A to Z show website, uh, she's going to knock down all yep. the other ones, including all the honorable features. Because yeah. we told her only keep 10. She's like, yeah. but I have dots. I yeah. Have midnight there, I was like, I can just how they're split within its own category is just like ranking them. So it's like, yeah. can I bring yeah. all of them? Well, it will there, be on the website. there are not a lot of people who watch all the shorts yeah. at Sundance. I think most of them are people who work for Sundance and Alina. And Alina. So, <laughs> yeah, if you want a perspective on the best short films that were yeah. there, definitely go to the ETC website to check Thank those you. out. Thank you. All righty. Have fun, guys. Yeah. Doing our best. We're trying. We're getting there. What do you think of the shorts, Amanda? I didn't watch a single short. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Me either. I'm sorry, I never do. I know they're great, but I usually just wait until people tell me shorts are good and then I'll go watch them. Bro, all of those collectively, I think, was one movie. <laughs> was it actually? Okay, I'll do that. That's the thing, I though. Mean, That's like, what I mean. That's 10, one movie I wasn't going to watch. That's one movie Six to four of them, though. Yeah, but like that's why we have her weed out the <laughs> good ones. Out, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, now let's, she let's now she little... did. Now she did. So. Now she did. Yeah. Uh, so if Sundance could just unlist those, that would be great. Let's get into our special jury enterprise. Yeah. Keeping something really uh, fun and light here before we get into our, our outstanding audio. awards for special achievement in the fields of excellence. Let's go for it. Yeah. What do you got on here? Um, I mean, I I got one that I want to put at the end, but uh, I. I We'll con I'll contribute to the best Q&A question Go that we for had. It because you're the one with the video. Exactly. I mean, so, some of the best parts of being at Sundance is getting those Q&As and getting the reactions to filmmakers having screened their movie for an audience for the very first time. You know, you get to see all the emotion and all the uh, energy. And for us, the best one has got to be the theater camp Q&A. Because yeah. not only did they have all the writers and directors of that film, uh, Nick Lieberman, Ben Platt, Molly Gordon, Noah Galvin there to talk about the film. They brought all the child yes, stars sir. and performed the finale of the movie. A medley. A medley. Of the finale. Yeah. So like literally a one-time special performance. Yeah. And and like, you know, none of the other Q&As came with a musical performance for none us this year. <laughs> Going mariachi maybe should have. They, they did it outside. They, they did the red carpet. Yeah, they they should have done it <laughs> Uh, but no, easily, I agree with you. This is one of the best Q&A moments. Uh, I'm going to follow it up with the Special Jury Intercut Award for the best doggo in film. Uh, Animalio for a movie that's yeah, called very good Animal. Uh, very good boy in this one. It's a movie that technically is translated from Parminos, meaning among us. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah, uh, they changed it to Animalia, and you have a really good dog performance there. So uh, if Jenny the Donkey couldn't get a nomination this year, I'm hoping that this dog is able to break on through to the other side. Amanda, you were there for us when we experienced the horrors at the Rose Wagner Theater when someone almost fell over the balcony. You remember that? Yes, I do. How could I forget Nightingale? They were trying to get out so Absolutely. fast. They almost ran right over the balcony. Every year there's Every one year there's movie one. at Sundance that people just can't stand. Oh. It's too scary. 
And this year it wasn't even the scariest movie. It wasn't even the scariest movie, but it was disgusting. No. Amanda, you saw Birth or Birth, right? I did, yeah. At what point do you a... think someone had to evacuate because they were sick? There, see, I the only thing without I can spoiling think of it. Is yeah, the only thing I can think of is that there's kind of like a scene where you can see inside someone's arm and they're like making yeah. like fingers move. It move, but bro, it was yeah, a Rose Wagner the, again. It's always the Rose that's the only Wagner. Thing I can think. It's either that or there wasn't enough air being pumped into that place because there's not a damn thing in that Something. movie that would have made me feel uncomfortable enough to have to feel like sick to leave. But I guess sometimes it's, it's a mental thing. Like it gets in your head and then you it can't has stop to be. thinking about it. So like for me in Bones and All, it was the hair rope. I when I was sitting there the first time, I was like, I gotta like con- collect my breathing here mm. before I think about the hair rope. It wasn't anything else. <laughs> So I just, uh, it, it was probably something like that, but they reported that it was like multiple people started like feeling sick and that like- I don't get that. Passed out or did pass out. And I do think it's just that mental thing where you kind of start getting queasy and then you breathe too much so there's not enough oxygen mm-hmm. into your brain. And the more you try to correct it, the worse it feels. The air is thinner but, up uh, here. I, but you know what though? It's always the race. Somebody had a heart attack at one of the movies a couple of years ago, and I think that was just unrelated. I think very tragically they were ready to have a heart attack. Yeah, it was Chase, Chase and Ryan <laughs> read that thing. Yeah, so I don't they know. I think the there's something ready. at the ray. There has to be something at the ray. Uh, yeah. Zach, you had a very interesting special jury prize over here. <laughs> uh, wait, was this one? Uh, oh, this one you want to do or uh, Amanda's? Uh, which I had the outstanding achievement. Most. I had outstanding yeah. achievement in soul crushing questioning, which goes to for landscape <laughs> with invisible. Yeah, you want to tell us about that. that moment? Yeah. So you know, it, it, the question started off pretty well. You know, there's some art in the movie that is a very you know defining aspect of the movie, and somebody was just really interested in it. They wanted to know who the artist was, and the, it was a really good question until right before he ends it off, he says. I mean, the movie was cool, but the artwork was phenomenal. <laughs> and the artist was not Which is what so every filmmaker wants to hear. Yeah. The only person you're shading is the filmmaker that's right in front of you, uh, Corey Finley. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, just everybody in the audience was just kind of like, oh, like collectively at once. Yeah. But uh, he handled it well, but I just, that's one of those ones, you know, he went like home and was like, Oh, no. Why'd I ask that? The worst part is he probably did it. I encourage everyone to go to in-person screenings, but that guy, stay at home. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I got a quick one in the stop-motion video game genre. Divinity is this weird old movie where they decided to, it's shot in live action, black and white, and then when they fight, it's a stop-motion action (laughs) 8-bit thriller. I'm going to leave it at that. Wrap it up, Zach. What do we got here? Um, best ending to a movie. Now, we don't want to spoil any of them because, them. like, y'all probably haven't had a chance to see it. But sometimes movies are great because they're great. And sometimes they just have a f- finale that really, really hits. And I don't know. I might need y'all to help me deliberate which one is actually the outstanding ending because we've got one that's a little devastating. We've got one that's, like, uplifting. we got the one that I felt most gutted as a, like human after maybe not gutted is the right word but like devastated in kind of like a horrific way and the one that almost brought a tear to my eye because it was so beautiful and fun yeah. talk to me definitely to number me. two all right you want to talk to me at one interesting i think i do because talk to me 
it's that sells it. I feel like Talk to Me could have been like, oh, that was like had really cool elements. That was really fun. That was really mean and brutal. But like without that ending, I don't think Talk to Me gets wow. anywhere near where it's going. Whereas Theater Camp was already at like at, at like a minimum four stars for me before we got to the ending. Mm-hmm. The ending of Theater Camp did not sell it for me. The ending of Theater Camp just proved to me what I already knew. The ending of Talk to Me is something that I am like, I can't wait for people to see this. I can't wait for yeah. people to see this because I want to talk about it. And I but I can't spoil it because I loved it so much and it's so simple it's so fast but it was just holy shit so I'm giving it to talk to me personally I mean talk to me ends on a moment that you would go like it it's so interesting and it says so much without saying what you just see a person in a situation and it kind of blows your mind. I'm not yes. arguing. I'm going to let y'all finish. But theater can't <laughs> put itself in a hole and somehow came out of it. I keep hearing y'all hum. From what? From the ending of Talk To Me? From the ending of theater camp. Because there's nothing to hum from the end of throughout. Talk To Me. There's nothing to hum. <laughs> I think they're both, I think they're both great. I, 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 I'm not gonna fight you because the ending of theater camp was fantastic. I'm still singing so those good. songs all around. Alone, it's so great. You know? mm-hmm. So I guess we'll collectively have theater camp and talk to me. If you get to watch these movies yes. completely on the opposite side, you will have some of the best endings of the year, which is crazy. You think we're gonna get better? <laughs> better <ending? laughs> uh, so those were our special jury intercut awards. Yes. Let's get on to the sound the music uh we begin with just some of the best sound in films going through it infinity pool some of the best uh, gory just unnerving as amanda even put when you're comparing that with cinematography that's done all naturally on camera i don't even want i don't want to know what they did to get these sounds but infinity pool is out there there is one sound you may not get <laughs> a little squishy sound that you may not get in the cut or maybe they did keep the sound yeah. I don't they know. do the sound's still there uh, they keep the sound it's just the visual gone <laughs> I, I keep imagining Amanda going through both <laughs> I was. yes we got <laughs> yes we got we got agreed on the sound uh, <laughs> Infinity Pool coming in at number five y'all hyped up talk to me what was your favorite parts of the sound there oh, I mean it, it's just these moments that really like accentuate the horror and like, like I don't know it's got this like they don't show you Nasty the demon at points. It's oh, just the, the yeah, audio. Exactly. Sometimes you just need to hear it and it does such a good job. It's so effective. Talk to me coming up way too much. Uh, Flora and Son, we made it out all the way to the mountain resort. What was the best part about this, Amanda? Well, it's, you know, that you kind of expect the sound and something from John Carney to be good. And this definitely didn't disappoint. I think we kind of mentioned it in the full video where he's dabbling in a genre as well that he's not familiar with. You get what you expect, but then he's got yeah. the entire like electronic, you know, slight rap side to it to, to kind of, you know, sound like the sun side of Flora and Sun. And it was like super that. good. Um, yeah, I, I just thought they, they did a great job w- with all of that. I agree. Magazine Dreams Gotta Be Mine. Uh, I, look, there's another one in the U.S. Dramatic All Dirt Roads. We got that for cinematography. We couldn't get magazine for cinematography, so I'm going to put it in here for the sound. <laughs> the yeah. way you get into this man's psyche mm-hmm. is scary. I'm going to leave it there because we're going to be talking about more magazine dreams. Absolutely. Our number one, Ryan Lane. Yeah. Easy. I mean, it's got that like quick cut energy, but part of it is not just the visual quick cutting, but it's the sound quick cutting. It's the, the, the songs Dialogue. they bring in the sound. Dialogue. Yeah. The way and, you do it, and, and it just it all kind of sweeps you up. Uh, it all feels like this one long continuous thing. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. It, it's a movie that I think you could even just listen to and really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let's talk about score. These two were like, no, you need to put this number five score in there before mm-hmm. I get there. 
Shout out to the Cassandra score. It was a little basic, but it did its job. Uh, I really liked it. And for those who are interested, Starling Girl, fun fact, had the lead singer of Lord Huron, Huron, Huron. He was working on the music or some sound for this. So put that on the radar for those of you who may be fans. But you two, tell me, what was that bit in Bravo Burkina that y'all y'all couldn't get rid of? Well, Amanda, what, what did you describe it as? There was a song towards the end that as it like swells in, it sounds like one of those really orchestral covers of like a really well-known song, like a like, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a way that it starts and you're like, this is so hype. Like, this is so good. It's so catchy, but it's still infused with everything that you would expect it as a movie that's kind of like very uh, like defined by where it takes place and location it takes place. So you get that, but then it also feels very modern. And it mm-hmm. happens at a major transition point of the movie where our character is kind of like triumphantly coming back to a thing or not necessarily triumphantly, but like kind of entering back through like a phase of like acceptance in an area. And it was just so mm-hmm. good. Like we instantly all looked up and was like, this is such a this is so yeah. good. So and I think anytime something like that stands out to you, you got to give it a Absolutely. nod for the, for the score. And that was and because a, of the very gun. No, 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 that was that was later. We're gonna get to it. Yeah, right, yeah, right, and because right. of the the context of the film, you know, being this kind of like magical realist fable telling of immigration, you have these like mixing of cultures and settings, and I think it also the music does a lot to sort of give you that um, the world building of it. Yeah. yeah, and that sort of like mm-hmm. magicalness journey, yeah. to it too. That that it's the way that it's sort of connected to reality, but also a little bit fanciful. I, I think mm-hmm. it really sells through the music. Uh, going through the rest of the list, of course, Riley's going to make an appearance again. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. Uh, Past Lives is going to make an appearance again. Mm-hmm. You have so many really good moments where there's Skype dialogues and they make it work. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on. Theater Camp, obviously a really good one, not just yeah. because of the music, but also because they shot a lot of this improv style. So I don't even know. how They're they kind of might. filling gaps and keeping the energy high because it's kind of like this yeah. quickness to the uh, to the score. It reminded me a little of like the Arrested Development score and that Ooh. like it's kind of got that like goofiness, but yeah, also like really the, sets the tone. You know, like things like that. That's just like going through. Yeah. But easily the standout. Every scene we'd be going, the score. Yeah. 30 minutes the score. But like it's this really cool thing in oh. that Gary Gunn score for 1001. It's not just like a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, but it's something that he keeps revisiting throughout the film and throwing in adjustments to. It'll, you know, it'll have the basic rhythm to it and then he'll play it back with just the violins. Yes. And he'll play it back and yes. add, add a snare drum on top of it. And it just... It's so good because it re it recenters you, but also gives you the flavor of the moment, and it, that's kind of all you need from a score is to be able to underscore and then accentuate different parts of the film. Gary Gunn, shot yeah. easily our favorite score. Yeah, go absolutely favorite. But just to go back, so the guy for Bravo Burkina was Ali Helnwine. Funny oh. enough, he also did the he composed a Family Circus score with the short that Alina mentioned. Oh, hey. look at you right there. All right. Sundance so, doubles. Sundance doubles. Sundance doubles. Yeah. Wow. So really good score. If y'all have a score that stood out to y'all, let us know. I'm hoping that some of these are able to make it with some recognition mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. But those are our five. Uh, yeah. Uh, that Gary Gunn score. I can't wait to be able to listen to it again. Um, but it all culminates. Uh, Culminates. culminates into the top five original songs. A thousand and one had some good ones. You got mm-hmm. Tiana Taylor in it, right? Um, we also had a song from Drift. It would be Cynthia Revo singing over the grass. Did she there? Already? 
She's close if she's not got, I don't think she's got there already. She's but, missing the guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then John Mojaya had some new songs because of Rich Brian. So you had some really good music from there. Uh, we're going to give her top five to top, top two music movies. <laughs> yeah. Flora and Son, obviously. Uh, what was y'all's favorite? We have two on here. Which one did you prefer? Um, I feel like Dublin 07's hilarious, but Rooftop songs, the one where I'm like, maybe we can meet in the middle. Like it keeps coming back into my head. It was so head. good. Um, and I like that that's yeah. the one you really get to see evolve through the movie. Where exactly. It, it does, the great, it does yeah. the great thing where it shows you part of the song and then she builds on it later. And that's always it's just like a secret ingredient. And the way it's shot is also freaking fantastic. fantastic. Yes. yes. So I'm a, good. I'm going to shout out Dublin 07. Dublin 07 was <laughs> raw. It's also the most it's beautiful so moment hilarious. between the mom and, and herself, between Flora and son. So yeah. uh, those would be our top two. And there's several other songs in it, but Rooftop Song and Dublin 07 – Hey, as someone who appreciated Sing Street but didn't love it as much as people wanted to, yo, I'm, I'm behind these songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's all take one from theater camp because it clearly <laughs> swept our top three. Uh, I'll let y'all pick. Uh, Amanda. Man, you get okay, first picks. I cannot read is the one that I just keep stopping. <laughs> like, hey, see, it. It's but just the biggest earworm of the festival. But now Camp Isn't Home is the earworm. It's the one that after watching yes. it the second time, now that's the one that yeah. I found myself being like, Camp Isn't Home. Da, da, da. <laughs> just the whole like so. word salad of I think it kind of kind, kind of, of is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is really it's beautiful so. in the way that it's set up in the movie. But is it kind of? Kind of. I kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> and then so a big good. shout out to uh, No Tomorrow, which no was tomorrow. Uh, a really interesting song because it's like a tap dancing Wall Street <laughs> song, um, and a, a lot of really funny things that play there that are Easter eggs from earlier on. But Theater Camp, No Tomorrow, When Can I Read, Camp Isn't Home, easily one of the standouts for best original song from the fest. Mm -hmm. Both of these movies, they they need to keep that energy all the way towards yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into some more of the technical stuff. We'll go one-on-one yeah. -on, -one on production design. I'll start off with Flora and Son. Really good production design because you also have a lot of conversations that are happening between two people on Skype and they make it work. Zach, mm -hmm. what worked in theater camp? Um, I mean, theater camp just really gives you that feeling of being at a summer camp, of the, yeah. uh, you know, being in the... in in nature, like they're in the Adirondacks there, but uh, and also just like, it so like brings you back to bunk beds and to cafeterias and stuff like that. Yeah. So if they don't get those details right, the movie doesn't work as well. That falls. Amanda, you saw the premiere to this and you loved it. And when we caught it, it was clearly a standout for production design. Yeah. Well, I love is a strong word. I really enjoyed it, but uh, I. It was her favorite that, of all time. <laughs> yeah. The, the world the world that they built and the way that they wanted to sell it, I think they did an amazing job doing that because it's all these little yeah. things. Like they've got like 3D printer food makers. Uh, it's just how like if you walk into it, maybe at first glance, it'll look like your typical like L.A. apartment with like the plant room and the this. But then when you start looking at little tiny elements, you realize that this is probably happening like like a good chunk down the future where they've kind of evolved. There are a couple things that are a little goofy. We talked about that we're not huge. It's like no one's going to want that. But I think that's almost the idea that it's getting to the point where things are evolving to the point that it's like, does anybody even actually want this? But mm -hmm. I think the little designs uh, really make a difference. Even like, especially the the eggs themselves themselves are, are like a whole design element. And there's some good sound design that comes along with all those individual things. So I was just really swept into this world as being like a believable for what they're trying to sell us. So I thought they did an amazing job with the production design. Fantastic. Past lives, we've 
watched. It's a good movie. Yeah, we've touched on it a little it's, bit. Yeah, it's all think right. It's here again for a reason. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the number one spot, even above uh, past lives, is Rye Lane because yeah. yes, the movie where they're walking around the entire town, mm-hmm. in and out of stories, in and out of art museum. Mm-hmm. Some water scenes as well. It's <laughs> some very funny fake sources, fake restaurants in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think it's also, it's very easy for a comedy to kind of skate by on not focusing on those production design mm-hmm. details, but color specifically is so, mm. uh, so well evoked in this film. If you pay attention, not only to like the colors they're wearing, but the colors around mm. them, there are often mirrored and it's all very, very intentional. So, yeah, because there's widescreen. Yeah. And then there's a scope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, big they, shout they out to John. Yeah. Go for it. I was just going to say, they pick the colors and then they accentuate the colors extremely well. Beautiful. Like, so wearing pink shoes. Yes. Those are pink shoes you're seeing, you know? Like they did a, it's very mm. vibrant in a good way. Lots of greens and yellows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, big shout out to John Mojaya that had some beautiful colors as we talked about with the cinematography and La Pecera because of where it takes place. Mm-hmm. A very beautiful story uh, that goes along with the, uh, the production design and the script. Makeup and hairstyling. We were going back and forth with a couple of these and we're kind of splitting them between the costumes mm-hmm. and the makeup. Joyland, mm-hmm. a really great ensemble and they were working phenomenally with a lot of these people, especially because this is a dance movie. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a lot of those makeup uh, and, and with the heat and especially where they're living in, mm-hmm. I thought they, they were able to portray that very well. Yeah, and between this one and then Theater Camp also yes, as our number four slot, these are, you know, film, the films that really center on these performed mm-hmm. uh, performances, right? Whether it's dance performances or musical theater and uh, obviously like to fully get those performances done, you have to have the makeup be on point, in particularly at the, at the end, end, you have a, a really great performance that is really, really good. Uh, well assisted by makeup. Yeah. A thousand and one. How do you go from one decade to another decade to another decade and then never miss a beat, dude? Mm-hmm. They had everything down from the hairstyling, spoiler alert, the clothes. Yeah. Uh, everything. Just the down. way her hair is laid is so 90s, the little baby hairs and shit too. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, really brings you back, just the look. Amanda, take the top two horror movies because you've seen these frames way more than we have uh, yeah, for best makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, Infinity Pool, you just know that Cronenberg, uh, him specifically, the son specifically, puts such care into like the practical effects. So that's going to, everything has to be in control and that's going to come right down to just like this, the, the designs of the characters. And um, you kind of see like the, they start like very kind of like, perfectly put together and has that how that how that'll kind of like fall out as the movie goes on but then they're always even in like the costume design i know we're not in that category but like everything is just to the nines uh when it needs to be yes sir um so i think they did a really good job there too and then talk to me of course i think uh i can't remember how zach worded how they handled kind of because it's makeup for a lot of different types of things. It's not just like regular makeup and hairstyling to express the mm-hmm. fact that these are like Gen Z kids hanging out. It's like it's got to go that next level when some like really horrific things happen it's and how they display the bro. fallout I mean, after. One of the things that's really interesting about the film, which you'll pick up if you even just read the plot line about it, is the ways that they kind of draw similarities to this sort of like conjuring of demons and drug use Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of times where they kind of make the kids look like they're strung out junkies so it's not just the the sort of like spirit makeup the the almost zombie like makeup that Mm -hmm. they have on some people but it is even that like you can see the change happening to them during the movie yeah without even necessarily Mm -hmm. like if that's not full-out cgi it's look it's a perfect blend of the two and it, it's scary. It feels unreal. Yeah. Getting to the best costumes. Uh, Fairyland, you guys really like, because this is also another one that goes through generations. Yeah. 
and is able to get the costume. It's done. not also just generations because it's subcultures, right? Like yeah, he, true. Uh, the, the Scoot McNary's character is very much in like the hippie scene and the, dr the druggy hippie scene of mm -hmm. San Francisco in the seventies. And then you have uh, his daughter coming up into kind of like a more of a punk goth kind of look. And then it's also, she grows out of that. So it, it's, I think in sort of telling you who the character is at different points of their life, they do a lot of that through the clothes. Sure. All right. Uh, at number four, we had Rye Lane. Already talked about the colors good. in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's between production design and costume design. It's all re yep. working together really well. Cassandro, my man had on the cheekiest <laughs> shorts you can pop. Not even yeah. shorts, whole damn leotard. Uh, if you were excited for Gael Garcia, and his, <laughs> I had a bun joke with Gael, but I'm forgetting what it is. And I think that's for the better. Uh, but you got him, you got Bad Bunny, and you got all the costumes out here that they were able to take back from all the old uh, Exoticos and all the luchadores who were there. So, Cassandro, it's going to be on Prime. You'll be able to pause on any of those frames <laughs> if you would like to. Um, Bravo Burkina. I mean, the images that he has speaks for itself. Yeah, can we zoom in on the, that? Look at that. Look at that outfit right there. So this isn't even the cleanest one. Watch his uh, his making of thing that he's got for yeah. the the meeting the artist. He literally like I swear he does one of these like with the, with his shot. He just goes like yes. Uh, you know, he, I mean, just, he drips. Yeah. Drip. If, the, if the dude designed costumes for Black Panther, you know the movie he's directing is going to look great. Uh, and the number one, as we were mentioning, they didn't just get the hairstyles and everything down, bro. There's this one shot of uh, Tiana Taylor. It's like her. It's not even her silhouette because she's still in frame, but you know yeah. she's got that like lean back posture mm -hmm. and she's wearing these jean shorts this like tank and she's got the newport sticking out with the in the back. yeah <laughs> and then the scores and i love when they get to the early Jeez. 2000s and they got the oversized jerseys and he's wearing the cowboys it's so like good, it, it just it really it transports mm -hmm. you and that's what you want with the costumes it's to really give you a time and a place one of the standouts were the winner of the u.s narrative competition Skipping forward to the docs, this one's going to be easy because we did a whole doc category, but yeah. we didn't have Amanda on there. So Amanda, we're going through our number one U.S. premiere, our number one world premiere, and then our number one premiere premiere. Yeah. So those are the three categories that they have. Uh, we're going to start with the simple one, which I think out of all the premiere docs, Michael J. Fox, we talked a little bit about that in the doc. Mm -hmm. Talk about the one thing we loved about it. I mean, it just is this really incredible uh, use of archival footage where they take bits from his movies, from his TV work, and use it to underscore how he was feeling. Like mm -hmm. they, if they don't necessarily need him to say it in talking head, because at some point in his career, he said it. But they find the craziest clips for that. Yeah. So this one's coming out to Apple. We were surprised how much we ended up really liking this, but uh, let's start with the world ones. Uh, Zach, Amanda, and then me, Zach, what was your favorite world documentary? I mean, I think it's got to be the one that devastated me the most out of any of the films that I saw on the festival, and that is 20 Days in Mariupol. We, we talked a lot about it in our wrap-up of the best docs, which we'll be posting on Intercut by the weekend, mm -hmm. but uh, it's just this incredible testament to the power of journalism and being a witness to atrocity, yes. right? Uh, it, he's... he's in Mariupol as the Russian invasion begins for 20 days, for 20 days uh, documenting what, what's happening in really, really horrific, brutal detail. It's not an easy movie to watch by any means, but you also just see the process of how he goes from capturing what's happening to bringing that message to the world. And I've, I've seen a lot of great documentaries. I don't think I've quite seen that illustrated this way. Amanda? Yeah, I was finally able to catch up with that one. I had uh, they put it on while I was watching Radical, so very different experiences. Every once in a while, I would just look <laughs> up and like Caitlin would be crying. And I'm like, oh my god, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I finally, I finally caught up with it, and it is, it's devastating. Like it's really the only way to word it. Um, I think it also does a really good job not letting the. Um, I feel like a lot of the times when people end up doing these, they these documentaries, they can let themselves be too much of of it. I think he did a very good job making sure that it was what was happening was the focal point, and like really making sure that that was what was being. Um, like expressed out there and not just specifically like this is how it's affecting like me right now but it's just like this is a very honest portrayal about what's happening and escalating it um, as it just naturally escalated around him i agree Uh, i also have this at my top so i'm just gonna give an alternate pick fantastic machine another great the history of moving images so Mm -hmm. add that one to your radar wrapping it up with the u.s premiere documentaries I mean, for me, it it was the one that I was most anticipating out of the documentaries, and it's the one that delivered for me. It's Luke Lorenzen's new film, A Still Small Voice, which follows hospital hospital chaplains, or particularly one who's going through her year-long residency. Mm -hmm. And I just think there's no film I saw this year that had more uh, empathy in it than this one. It, It is such a beautiful film that shows not only the, like, unthinkably challenging work of, of consulting with people who are near death or experiencing death around them, but also just like what you do with that burden. How do you navigate the rest of your life when that is such a large part of it? And, and by showing not only what she's going through, what her supervisors are going through, what their advisors are going through, what the patients are going through. I just think it's such a beautiful verite perspective on that part of the healthcare system, something that maybe we, we don't want to spend that much time focusing yeah. on. What's your favorite of the best? Past lives is real good. It's the, the two of those for sure. All right. Yeah, Amanda. Um, I didn't see all of the the U.S. ones, so I don't know how to fully. Did you like Beyond it, Utopia? I, I thought this was the one I, that stood I did. Out I did. Yeah, I did like Beyond Utopia a lot, but I, I do find um, I do find that a lot of the stuff going on with North Korea is very. It's horrifying, but it's fascinating in that you can have these people that like, yeah. know that they're living in a really bad situation, but then mm-hmm. they've been so uh, indoctrinated and brainwashed that they think that as bad as they mm-hmm. have it, it's so much worse everywhere else. But then there's yeah. these like, yeah. little things you'll find out. And it was also really interesting to see that even though, you know, somebody might have been trying to escape, they still think of... Of of the of the of the Kim family as like they're they're the supreme leaders. They are you know, the, yeah. the, the, you know the gentle. The, the, the way they're able to show how like the how the brainwashing still works even removed from the brainwashers. Crazy. Yeah, because they they, they, they somehow managed to convince themselves it's like my life is bad and I'm trying to get to a better life, but it's not the fault of the supreme leaders. It's not the fault of our mm-hmm. of these amazing people. They're amazing. They just don't know necessarily how bad. It is, but uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that the main, like the pastor's wife was mainly into him because he looked like, she thought he looked like <laughs> Kim Jong-un because he wasn't fat, but he wasn't Crazy skinny detail. the way that a lot of people Crazy in North detail. Korea are because they don't eat enough. So, because they're underfed and they don't have resources. So just because he was like a normal looking guy, she was like, oh, I love his little belly. He looks, he reminds me of Kim Jong-un. So I thought that was hilarious and horrifying at the same time. I'm gonna go a complete opposite pick. I think mine is also still a small voice, but going to Mars and Nikki Giovanni project, yeah. I feel badass. She's great. Yeah, we have a some whole clips. video just on the docs. Yeah, we have a whole video on the docs. So we're gonna get into not just all of these into more detail, but every single thing that we watched into uh, a whole breakdown. We literally only missed like five documentaries. Yes. And so. Nikki Giovanni, we could point out here was actually Sundance's winner for oh, Grand Jury yeah. in it the was. US documentary. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, we got a couple more tech ones before the big ones to wrap it all up. 
best film editing. You did have winners like Going Varsity and Mariachi that mm -hmm. won off of a documentary. We really liked You Hurt My Feelings. Yeah. They, they knew how to how to time it to the comedy. And it perfectly paced yeah. too. It doesn't linger. I don't know if you heard about this movie though. There's this horror movie that oh, played yeah. called Talk To Me. Yeah, it had really good editing. Yeah. The movie Ooh, ain't just visceral because of, because of the blood and the gores. It's, they just know when to show you something and then refuse to show it to you again, which makes you go like, no, 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 I want to know how closer, how much closer did that thing yeah. get? It is incredible, dude. It's, it's fantastic. How to what was linger, it in the live stream asked us? Something oh. that you're, yes. Sorry, you go. Like it's it's a movie that's fast when it needs to be and slower when it needs to be too. Yeah, that Absolutely. boy, right when he was about to do that yeah. thing that he was about to do, you didn't want him to do it. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm um, like, Jose... I'm like, doing this, I'm doing this. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Jose in the live stream comments is asking, is talk to me more barbarian or more hereditary? I am a coward. I need to know. Way more barbarian. It's way more barbarian. Way more barbarian. But it has like when, when the scares come, they come of fast and hard. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I got you, bro. It's it follows by the way of barbarian. Okay. Yeah. I, I can would, get with I that. Can... I can agree with that. Um, yeah, we're live. Y'all could argue later. It has, <laughs> it has <laughs> moments that might feel a little bit like hereditary, but yeah, <laughs> it's got a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, best film editing number four spot, a thousand and one. The way that it's mm -hmm. going through all those generations, the way it's able to weave in the score, it, it's able to time things perfectly. And it moves right. And part of part of that is the Gary Gunn score, but it's also just the way that they pace the scenes. It doesn't. It, I think a lot of times you see a drama like this, and there'll be moments that really feel like they drag. This one never did. Not. Uh, another one. I'm, I'm surprised how many times we have Infinity Pool on this list, but hey, you and I really liked it. You're about to go see it in theaters again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's partially just to see what they've changed and what they've left out that uh, Amanda it's so not. helpfully has dubbed the come cut. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I think there's also these really bravura sequences where he's doing similar things than he did in Possessor, but it's kind of like this visual assault mm -hmm. and, and they're throwing so much. At, I mean, literally it's probably going to trigger some people's epilepsy, yeah. but like that's also pretty Maybe awesome to look at as long as it doesn't give you a seizure. Yeah, There's warnings. There's warnings for it. Um, yeah. So this is there. Uh, I also have one for Rylane. Warning, don't watch this. I don't watch this in a theater because it's the best editing of the year. It's so brisk. It's so great. Um, pretty good movie. But Theater Camp is the best editing because I don't know. They said they were editing this a couple days before. Yeah. And, and, it. and, and <laughs> in it's a good really way. got that Christopher Guest style of improv where it's very loose. And if you, like, if you pay attention to the film, most of the story is happening in title cards, yes. right? So they've got to shape this in the edit somehow. Mm -hmm. They, they, they figured out how to make it work. It's also like a part of the story, how they end up in a pickle and yeah. get out of it. It speaks to the film. It's it's crazy how they were even able to make something cohesive when everyone was just ad-libbing at all times. But they're all great ad-libbers, so. Best film editing theater camp. All right, we are at it. The best lead actors. Ooh. Sundance 2023. Y'all got any little extra ones? Because I have to shout out Cassandra as an honorable mention. Gal Garcia came in, he was in those shorts. My man's a little bit older now and he was going up on those tie ropes. I thought he did a fantastic job. In Cassandro, I'm, uh, I'm rooting for him to get some love later on. Uh, Y'all have somebody? I, I know Amanda. 
Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, Skarsgård. Um, you know, I think I walked away oddly enough for being somebody who's making an entire video about it. I think I had like I was the most lukewarm on Infinity Pool, but like he's so funny. Skarsgård sells so much in very little ways, where mm -hmm. it's like he starts with this like such confidence and it, it builds up and it keeps getting built and built and built and this like false egos built in him but then like this insecurity that he can get in his eyes and to his performance and he's such a big guy that you would just you know he's the northman you know they they picked him because he just mm -hmm. looks like this like prototypical like man but he's, he's so northman, good at like he's folding into himself north. when he needs to you know yeah, he's a decent like, actor so he did yeah amazing. he comes from a good family yeah you know Man, I mean, so, and then, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say the the two. Uh, I would I would say the co leads from Slow uh, were were definitely brought Please, like a lot of nuance you. to those performances. Mm -hmm. Greta and I want to say you pronounce that Castutas. They're like that's a duo performance. We've even talked about the past lives trio being like the perfect ensemble. Yeah. These two are some of my favorites. Zach didn't get to see this one yet, but I can guarantee you the leak expired on him when he gets to see them. I hope you'd have it at the top. Do you have anybody yeah. else as an honorable? I have a really quick one. I mean, Isel Rodriguez from La Pesera. Yeah, fantastic, I mean, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. We can also throw a quick shout out to Leo Mijil. I, I think yeah, that's how oh, his name is yeah. pronounced. Uh, the lead from Mutt, who was a winner for Best Acting in, in Sundance. So uh, his performance definitely stands out. And I'll, I'll also give a shout out to Cynthia Rivo for Drift, because that's a film that I think is really the whole weight of that film is on the back of her performance. And if she doesn't sell that trauma and having gone through all of that, the, the movie just does not work. Yeah. Uh, unless Amanda wants to bring in Thomas and Mackenzie for a lead, <laughs> we shall begin our top 10. We begin with past lives uh, for uh, the character of Hai Song Yu Tio. He had a previous feature at Sundance, but he carries this movie along with another actress is going to be in there at our number 10 spot. Killed it. Mm -hmm. Not just this. The Q&A, he came out with the big oh, boy yeah. pants. That's the new thing. Mm -hmm. If your pants aren't flaring from the bottom, you're not sexy anymore. Yeah. So Jonathan I, Majors had it in Jonathan Majors had he like even bigger ones. So I got to get rid of these jeans and change my whole style because this <laughs> yeah. man was dripping with it. Uh, he came out and people whistled. <laughs> they were like, yeah. He's one of one. He's a good looking man. Very. I, it, it's a really great performance. And I think he really sells um, the, the, how much of the performance is him trying to express something but not being able to yes. and i think it's a it, it's one thing to be able to act well when you're given the lines it's another thing when you have to keep the lines within mm. yes 100 mm -hmm. especially because he's also dealing with like john mcgarro who yeah. half understands him and it's just beautiful i don't know if you had something to add to him amanda no, you guys have it completely covered. It, it really is just, uh, I, what I will say though, is I think it also comes down to the writing where um, kind of like the differences and they address it, it's kind of the differences between how like culturally between uh, like American Western <laughs> culture and like the Korean culture and how that's colliding with um, her having emigrated to the West. And I think that plays a lot into how he is able and or unable to express certain emotions. So I, I like that a lot. Definitely. Uh, shout out to Shar in the live stream comments who threw out a couple best actors of his own. Dustin Wynn, who is from The Accidental Getaway Driver. Oh. Uh, and then Eugenio Derbez for his performance Radical, in Radical. I mean, fired on us. So we'll, <laughs> that's what we have to wait on. But yeah. that was good. We've been hearing uh, a spectrum of things from those. Absolutely. Uh, the next one is one that Zach yeah. really liked. And I, I was right with it too. Mm hmm. I mean, it, Fairyland, Scoot McNary is just absolutely- Oh, no, 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 you got David first. You got David first. Oh, wait, David? He likes Scoot so much, he forgot he put Scoot above Oh, him. shoot, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> um, David Shatharn, a really great actor. 
Uh, and he is just so like, so soulful and so real and so understated in a little prayer, a little prayer. It's this very sweet, small film that has like a very tender message to it, but like it, it really is on that performance and seeing this very decent man deal with like, re like these upsetting realizations that, will ultimately break your heart in this movie. Yeah. Um, I just think he's so, so beautiful in this performance. It's a dad who thinks he causes his kid to be led astray and he's all himself. It's a, it's a really good set of performance. Now you can go with Scoot McNear. Yeah, okay, let's talk about Scoot. Because Scoot I, it's a, is an actor I love. You and Scoot go way back. I mean Scoot go way back. I showed you something from <laughs> a decade ago where I was praising him. Literally. Um, I just think that he's an actor who's been looking for a great role like this one. It's Scoot. And he, there's so much pathos in this performance performance you feel all of that uh, all of that weight all the all that weighs on his conscience in this movie the desire to be a great dad but also live his life truly and i mean this is the one that has like the oscar clip cut and ready at the end of this film that yeah. will will get you to cry uh I, I just think he's so so great in this film amanda uh i know you also were able to catch the movie oh for fairyland yeah or you thought he was i I thought he was good. I, I don't know that I saw that movie was on such a like packed day that now it's like it's not yeah, it's not it hasn't yeah. really impacted me very much. I thought he did really good, but I think I was so frustrated with him, which is our screening also kept pausing. Yo, it yeah. Did. So they told me about this that it just had a glitch. Yeah, I think like the DVD was skipping or something. Like, that's yeah, the only movie in one minute that did that. <laughs> the screener linked the Wi-Fi. Was yeah, exactly. Uh, moving on to another one. Dude, this is one of my favorite actors. Yeah, Franz Rogowski. Bro, he killed it in his first, I think, English language role. As far as I know. Bro. Well, like, you've definitely seen him in other languages. Yes. He's one of those yeah. guys. Uh -huh. uh, last year, I thought he had one of the best performances in... Uh, Great Freedom? Great Freedom, killer poster. Does a fantastic job here as an annoying character who just, like, <laughs> there's so much desperation. That's in this guy. Nice like, way you to put can't it. help yourself. And that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Um, but nonetheless, he still stands out as a character of Tomas. We talked about, uh, what's his name? Uh, ben Wishaw being a great supporting character mm. for yeah. him. I also just want to throw out Adele at, at this point because she also yeah. plays the other partner in this kind mm -hmm. of great uh, trio. triangle that's going on. So Yeah. He, Franz is so funny in but the first fun. scene of that movie too. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's fantastic. So yeah. I can't wait for him to get bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. um, I think I may be the only one who got this next one. Yes. It's a performance from other people's children. It is the star Virginie Fira. Great in this. Uh, it is about a woman who can't really have children of her own. And she's longing to take care of others. And it's just a beautiful freaking story. It was a part of the spotlight category. So I'm hoping it comes out very soon. I need y'all to watch it. It's fantastic. But Amanda, let's gush about Alden. Dude. Fantastic. I Bridget oh, he girl so over there. good. He killed it. He killed it. Like one thing I just really want to say is that when you watch this type of movie, I feel like you're going to expect like a certain type of person that might not be okay with certain things but in some ways this guy he seems like the like the perfect dude that like he's fun he's exciting he's he loves her he's passionate about her he legitimately thinks she's the most beautiful woman in the world which is like pretty much what mm -hmm. most women in relationships want and he's like really chill about things that some guys would be really not chill with and there's no reason for them not to be chill with it so he seems very forward and progressive and in some ways but again it's just as this story keeps building and going it's like he knocks it out of the park like i feel like a lot of people were ready to just completely discount him after after solo even though i really i was actually oddly enough very oh fine with solo <laughs> yeah I like i'm solo. happy I the man's back in a big role 
He's good. <laughs> sure he was. No, I think he did great. I think he did great. And I hear he's actually just like a really nice person, like behind the scenes and cool. on set, like a very gracious person takes the time to like make sure everybody gets like a thank you note or something on set. So I'm happy to Aww. see that he has done fantastic uh, in this movie. Yeah. He actually has the acting chops to like carry carry the performance. Ready for my thank you note because my boy snapped in this movie. <laughs> he plays pathetic and like yes. machismo, but then also like the kindest. He goes all over the place. All he was over really the place, good, but in a believable well, he, way because sometimes you're just kind of like, you know, oh my god, they're so unbelievable. They keep jumping around, but you can see exactly right? why you he's see getting how where he gets he's going. There. You see how he gets there. You see why he gets there, and that makes it so much more interesting. Better version of Don't Worry, Darling, to a degree. Not always <laughs> yes. there. But I gotta ask you, did you like Phoebe? I did. Wiley um, Todd in the live stream comments saying that she, uh, he thought she was fantastic. Yeah, she wa was walking walking out, I thought I would have kept the Bridgerton in check. Yeah, walking out, <laughs> I thought they were both like really great. Um, I, I've never seen Bridgerton though, so I didn't have any like, oh wow, she's done so much better than mm -hmm. Bridgerton. But I did think she was really good. I think she sold it where she needed to. Um, but then Alden just had to go to significantly further places in yes, multiple, he in multiple did. ways. Yeah. Um, but I found, I think Phoebe did a, a great job to be like the, the opposite side of that. Um, so yeah, I liked it. Perfect. All right. We get to our top, or well, he is in our top five. Yeah, so we're in to our top four. four. Tiana Taylor, yes. 1001, so a multi-hyphenated talent here. And for her to take this lead, Dude, she was so good. The only thing in her way was sometimes the other actors in this movie. She was trying to cook and the other person just, <laughs> just couldn't get yeah. there sometimes. But she is solid throughout the entire film. Yeah. Easily. Another one that has like the Oscar clip at the end that's going to make I you cry. I would root for that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, I think it's a performance that's very easy to mistake for being like not that difficult because she is so naturalistic right. in it. But mm. I, I think she, it's a really like... She has a clear vision of that character. She really feels like that character by the end. And it's, it really is devastating. The, the performance is so uh, heartfelt and emotional. I'll put it to you this way. Yeah. You know that scene in Moonlight with the mom? Mm -hmm. You know that scene in the inspection with the mom? Mm -hmm. We continue to have that scene every single movie. Mm -hmm. This movie has it and then built an entire world around yeah, it. This movie you didn't has just it, find the mom smoking. This is the movie the about kitchen. the mom. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna leave that at that. If you know, you know, dude. Let's move to the top three. Just in a movie on Netflix where she ended up saying so many stuff from this upcoming <laughs> film. You hurt my feelings. It's, it was a standout for you, dude. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think she's got this just really great comedic energy. She's not, it, she doesn't ever feel like she's putting in a lot of effort to a joke. It just kind of feels like a very it natural thing. Yeah. Mm. And, and for this kind of movie, this kind of character, it's absolutely perfect. Just the, the anxiety of feeling insecure in your relationship and having this thing weighing on you. She, she communicates that so well and it's so real. I just thought she's so, so funny in this movie, but also very, very true. Yeah, great cast to go with her. Amanda, Greta Lee was in Russian Ooh. Doll. Happy birthday, baby. And now she's our top two actors. We could even argue because we were swapping between this mm. and the number one spot. Talk about she why Greta Lee freaking killed it. She blew it out of the park. Like there's really no way to say, other way to say it because again, what I say, the story itself, the base seems like something you've seen so many times before, but then it plays out like a realistic version of it, not the idealized movie version of it where like people just expect it to go a certain way. And the whole thing is just really hinged on her performance of being able to toe the line of 
what reality is and what could be and and why what could be isn't necessarily as valuable as what is and all of these just so much going on there about how she is both dealing kind of with reconciling her western life with the life she left behind in korea and the different ways that that's kind of changed her identity as a person and the life Mm. you know having to take into consideration what her life might have been if she never left korea uh, there's so uh-huh. much going on there. I thought it, I thought it was so fantastic. She really help, holds down all parts of that movie uh, fantastically. And a bilingual performance. Mm. The way she yeah, did you know, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and to act on a screen too. Like she was acting against her co-star through a computer. Yeah, and it Oof. it worked. Uh, our number. You got something else? I was just gonna say it's one of those performances where I think so much of the emotion is held in, and then when they yes. finally is let out, like you two, oh, it's cathartic. Who have like an emotional, really? Yeah, it's very yeah. cathartic once you get there. Yes, yes. Uh, look at this, bro. It, she's not like. Where's the movie? It, it's on the third <laughs> line. That's gonna. Oh, we're yeah, gonna, it's gonna it. change. It's gonna change. Number one. If y'all don't mind me gushing a little bit. Whew. Magazine dreams. Jonathan Majors. I mean, this is the one that we knew going into the festival was going to be a oh. showcase. Mm-hmm. He freaking killed it, dude. Yeah. He is jacked as can be. He's on that trajectory that Tom Hardy was where he's like, let me make some movies while I'm bulking up, while I'm cutting, while I'm doing these different things. What he did in this role was his, what do I keep calling it? Keep going to you for it. Oh, it's Bronson. The, yeah, yeah. It was Bronson. his Bronson. It's him in this pocket of mm-hmm. being a multitude of different characters that we've seen in classic movies, mm-hmm. but as this bodybuilder. Yeah, I'll give you another. It's kind of his Nightcrawler. It's kind of his nightcrawler too. Damn, that's a good way to put it. Uh, There are different reads of this movie. I was seeing some people in the chat talking about a re-edit. I get it. I don't want it. I think the movie is really smart. You've thought about it so much. You've thought about it so much that you have it down to like a a, a thing that might not be a thing, but like makes sense the way you've explained it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, His performance, regardless of how you feel about the movie, how it ends, how it builds up, he is just so invigorating that when we left, we were waiting at the bus stop. We don't know if we all saw the same movie yet. Everybody kept coming up to each other. And I guess there was something in our faces that went, yeah, you just saw him do yeah, that, didn't you? you just went through that. You just went through that with me. Yeah. Um, I, I'll leave it at this. I came out of it and someone still said, damn, that main actor, that dude was really good. Yeah. Because it's still January, Tuesday, January 31st, and he has not become the household name yet. That's insane to me. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Majors by the end of 2023 it's going to be insane. He's going to mm-hmm. kill Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. He's going to beat up Creed. And then they're going to see this. <laughs> it's a, I thought last year was his year. It's his year. Tushar wants to know if you think his deltoids are small. <laughs> Tiny. <laughs> I love his shoulders. I love his shoulders. I'm his biggest fan. Killian Maddox. What a name, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh. one of the great character names. Like, sometimes you land on yeah. it. And you, when they put that on the whiteboard, you went, that's the yeah. And then put it in permanent <laughs> marker. Uh, yeah, those are our lead actors. Whoever stood out to you, let us know down below in the description. Also, any supporting. As we get into the ensemble, that's mm. the special category where it's not just these individuals. It's the whole package as yeah. a whole. And I think like it's also a category where we get to talk about some of the people who may not even be a big enough role to be considered for a supporting actor, mm-hmm. but who help make the movie. Because it's not just those leads. It's not even those supporting actors. Yep. It's every person mm-hmm. you cast is important. Talk about the first one. There's a reason why this one made it. Sometimes I think about dying. I I really love this one. I think I've responded most strongly out of our group. A part of what makes the movie so great is you get this kind of like office culture thing and all the little beats in the office just feel so like true and dry and funny. And it's a great showcase for 
uh, some actors in small roles. Uh, if you have it up, uh, the the woman who has that devastating monologue at the end, I always forget her name. Uh, she, she is Marsha Du Bois, I think that is. Not her, but she was also really? down there. Uh, Mark, yeah, the third, the last one on the second line. Marsha de Debonis, yeah. Yeah, bro, she was out of pocket in that last scene. Oh, she's no incredible. reason to make you cry right in the I last know, like right? two minutes uh. of the movie. And it's, it was full of the full of those types of performances. You know, we shouted out Daisy Ridley and we shouted out Dave Mareji, but mm-hmm. uh, it's got a lot of like wonderful actors, wonderful like that guy or, or that woman. And uh, I also really liked Parvesh China, who show he's Bro. one of those people who shows up and just delights me. He's so Secret delightful in this film. Uh, Megan Salter, who you brought up, is also very funny. He's kind of like the office manager. Yep. Yeah, and it's so it, it, one of the films that is full of great small comedic performances mm-hmm. that are worth shouting out. Great office movie. Mm-hmm. You need that. Amanda, why is Ryan Lane one of the best ensembles? Again, it's not just the main characters that you fall in love with. It's you start learning about all these people that are in their lives, and then they become great characters too, whether it's the exes that like one of them is like, I don't even know why you're still talking to this man, but he's hilarious, <laughs> so I'm glad he's here. Um, and then it's like, there's, there's, a, there's here, a- Amanda? Yeah, no business. But then there's like a like a cook a cookout scene that is just so yes! good and everybody there has such defined personality, but not in a way mm-hmm. that seems like, oh my god, why are they giving them all his no, friend the like artist natural. Yeah, the artist <laughs> he was, friend yeah. Like the artist friend with the different exhibits. Every, just, everybody comes in. Everybody comes in. And then the random side characters that have nothing to do with anything, but like those moments mm-hmm. will just infect your brain. So good. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Zach, you heard my feelings that everyone hitting on all cylinders. Absolutely. And it's one of those ones where the leads are so strong, you think like that could be enough. But particularly with those therapy scenes that we get with some different people, Zach Cherry, yes. who we think is hilarious, David Cross and Amber Tamlin playing in Married Couple. Hope they get absolutely hilarious there. I mean, it just, people will show up for like one scene. Jeannie Berlin, who plays uh, their mother, absolutely yeah. hysterical. She was, she was great in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's. It's a film that has like no moment or no character who feels wasted. Yeah, everyone's really good. I got to talk about Joyland. We kept saying that this yes. is a movie where you can connect to any single character. Obviously, you have a lead, but just the sister-in-law, the brother. When the father comes in trying to impose something, not realizing that those same things are being imposed to him, it is a beautiful movie through and through. There, fantastic direction as well. I know we didn't get to mention, but Saeem Sadiq, Incredible job with the way he was able to handle all of the different characters and the way that they reflect upon each other. Joyland is a stand-up movie. I wish it would have gotten the mm-hmm. Oscar nomination, mm-hmm. but let's all gush about what's easily the best ensemble. <laughs> it's like the one where they're all meeting in a camp was going is going to bound to be the best group one. Yeah. Theater camp. Yeah, absolutely. It's not even close. Camp. I mean, it, yeah, Amanda, talk about who, some of the ensemble with that because there's so many great people in that film. Oh, there's like, everything's good. Like, you know, I have a mixed relationship with Ben Platt. He's just not aware of it, but it's, <laughs> it's, he, he's just the way that they all kind of build off of each other, the way that the kids like revere the different teachers because they've been there summer after summer. Uh, just, um, I always forget his name, but you know, the guy that's got the, 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 the son, the son himself, like the, the camp son. I always forget his uh, name. Jimmy Tetro. Thank Jimmy you. Tetro. He's so funny and but then it's so like funny the kids here too it's just the way they all interact with the kids mm-hmm. and the kids bounce back on them and just like the little things Iowa Debris, we didn't mention kids. yet that's yeah, right 
Yeah, you got uh, there are a lot of bear people from the bear here uh, in, in this whole <laughs> festival in, in general. Yeah. Um, oh my God, they just all bounce off of each other so incredibly well. And like all the kids know do such a great job for most of them. I know that they are actually theater kids, but that doesn't necessarily mean mm. that you're going to be great in a film setting that you could panic. There's just different things, but they all did such a great job feeling really authentic. It didn't really feel like anybody was really trying to fight for, for dominance, which might happen with a lot of kids trying to get onto a screen like this. But I thought it was, it was so good. And it was always these little, it wasn't not throwaway lines, but these little lines that would just pop up here and there yeah. and knowing that most of it was improv <laughs> and then they edit it to something cohesive makes it all the more impressive the way they all work together so well i wonder if this is almost destined to have like a short-term 12 kind of thing where we see like everybody out of it oh yeah. my good that'd be good exactly be it's good not just because it's not just the adults it's the kids too like well, i yeah. recognize one of them from john mulaney's sack lunch bunch we've been talking did, yeah. about a couple of them who are absolutely steal moments of this movie away from the adults i'll give a little shout yes. out Alan Kim had no business coming yeah, in. Alan Kim shows up in this movie. There's adults in this movie. What was this kid trying to do? Look, the, the computer he's can't He's trying to start his agency. <laughs> he's yeah, he's, the, uh, he's like the, the summer oh, character. The like, had to. Oh, Patty Harrison. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, say your point about Alan. There was no. He had no oh, I was just gonna say that I keep wanting to adults. like compare it to. It looks. It feels like it belongs in like a duology with School of Rock in a lot of ways. And he ends up being yeah. like the summer yeah. character because she ends up being like the band manager. That's what she does really well. So she's negotiating all these little deals. But then like this kid wants to come in and he's not talking to anybody. But he's all like, "I'm trying to get a line on this kid. She's gonna be the next big thing." <laughs> it's so good. I gotta go, Mikey. Uh, yeah, Mikey. Yeah. Look, I think we really like theater camp because we saw like three showings of it. <laughs> we had like three links of it. I we were just playing it in the background when yeah. you did decompress from stuff. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that it's one of the standout. I don't movies. think I've ever watched the film three times during Sundance before. What are we doing? Uh, yeah. Then we wonder why we miss them. <laughs> Moving on to the best director right before we get to the Intercuity Award. You got like, I don't know, five, maybe 30 minutes. We got to let us know your favorite. Before we get it to know your favorites. But part of the directors, I'm going to give out two shout outs. Y'all let me know who you got. I really liked uh, Marisha Kavtar Adzi. I want to mm. say is her name slow. I'm going to memorize that one because yeah, it's tough with the Lithuanian names. She did a fantastic mm-hmm. job uh, with this movie. The actors are great, but that's a shout out to the director, which she won the award for. Hey. So that's really great for her. Uh, and then Mama Cruz, Patricia uh, Ortega. I mm-hmm. think she is from. You had mentioned this summer where you're like, yeah, this director's from Jersey. I think she lives in Hyde Park in Chicago. It means nothing, but just like your jersey, but I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. you're from there. She did a fantastic job directing, in a sense, a story about her mom. I don't know mm-hmm. if y'all had any some any uh, honorable mentions before we get to our top five. I mean, I just really love Nicole Holofcener's work, and I think there's just like a gentle warmness to you, her, my feelings, that more more films could learn from. So I'd give her a shout out, and I, I know you've got Elijah Bynum on the list. I don't know if I would personally put him as the best director, but he's certainly like- One to look for? One to look for, because yeah. there's just such a, I mean, he, he got the, what was the Creative Vision Award for Magazine Dream. How many creative visions? I think maybe one per category. (laughs) I would would say on a similar note, I I would say that like for Fair Play, Chloe Domont, I think she did a really good job directing it so Mm. that it was like almost too high, but then kept it in in a reasonable area. People can disagree where it goes, like if you think it goes too far in areas, but I do think she she did a really good job and I think she'd be someone to, to watch going forward. Okay. Awesome. Little quick shout out to King Cole too. That was some very interesting direction. But Zach, it's our favorite horror movie, dude. Yeah, talk to me. The boys, they're brothers. 
I, I guess so, or, or got to be related somehow. Danny Filippo and Michael Filippo. I think they're brothers. They're, the Racka Racka they're Boys. They're, they're crazy like is what they are. They're near twins. They're near. If they're not twins, they're close to it. Uh huh. All right. Uh, well, they think alike because there's no way you come out on the other end of this movie with all of these teenagers going full demonically demented without having a grasp on this. I, I love the fact that we. I was showing you a bunch of their YouTube videos. None of that style translated over. They knew that that style, that that raunchiness, was meant for that medium. And they really surprised us because mm -hmm. you know, there were other YouTubers who came in, decided to now switch their style. They did the same thing, yeah. And yeah. well, good luck to them. These guys proved to me that they can really step out of their box and like mm -hmm. commit to something. Mm -hmm. And they did a fantastic job of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a film that we've we've already brought it up in all these categories because there's all these different elements of it that we like, but there's clearly just sort of this energy that they're they're going after and that they're able to hit. It feels really youthful, it feels very fresh. And I think they're, they're clearly directors who are like tapped into something interesting. Here. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, if you watch their, yeah, if you watch their regular content, I hadn't really before much, but I watched a little bit today <laughs> and it, it is like they, they have a handle on, they kind of take what's like what people use and they abuse so much to get younger audiences and they mm -hmm. flip it in a way that makes it so that like you can tell they know that certain things are ridiculous and they're just trying to, they're yes. making it work for them in a very interesting way, in a very unsettling way a lot of the times, um, and just adding in this random stuff. So it's all like, we're gonna infiltrate a Mr. Beast thing, but then here's this thing monster that we have to feed, so we're gonna blow up people and feed it to them. And it's just, that's just a random side thing happening. So I think they are tapped in is the right way to put it. And they use it very effectively and very interestingly with Talk To Me. I'm looking forward to Talk To Me in the future. I already shouted out Saeed Sadiq for joining. Yeah. He's really good. Number four spot. Zach, talk about your favorite. We got a documentarian Ooh, yeah. on this list. I mean, uh, Mrs. Slav Chernov, the director of 20 Days of Mariupol, I think th th he's doing something so fascinating with this film in not just making what is essentially like a wartime mm -hmm. front lines documentary, but also making simultaneously making this as an ode to the, to the journalistic craft and uh, as we were talking about being able to inform the world of stuff and all of that wrapped into what becomes this kind of like thriller because he gives it the structure, this 20 day structure where, you know, things are escalating, things are going to get worse. How is this all going to come to an end? And, and I think to be able to wrap such an important idea up in such a like viscerally compelling movie, also just to put yourself in this kind of danger, like that, yeah. that's no one else is, is doing that for their movies. Yeah. Easily. 20 Days of Marple. I'm sure you would even recommend uh, A Still Small Voice in here. There's, yeah. there's a couple of documentaries that, yeah. uh, where the director's really... I really mean, shine. yeah, Luke's got such a clear vision as well. I mean, I, I just don't need to constantly <laughs> shout him out. I mean, I'm going to start getting time. weird. Yeah, uh, we, we went for the guy who was risking his life. Yeah. Um, Rain Allen Miller coming in at number two for Rye Lane. Amanda, you like this movie. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know if we need to say anything that we haven't already said, you know. <laughs> already uh, not said. Just, yeah, not just the director, but also the writers. So, like, every piece of this really comes back to her and how good she executed mm -hmm. her vision. Uh, and I think she executed it phenomenally. And I, there's really nothing else that needs yeah. to be said. We brought this up in our video, breaking down the movie. But I'll, I'll just say again, she referenced Roy Anderson, who makes movies that are like could not be the more polar, the things, polar opposite yeah. in tone yeah. and that you see that influence yeah. it, like she's she's clearly working with a lot of really interesting that's stuff that's why she's reinventing the genre yeah but our number one has to go to Celine's song best mm -hmm. director we're talking about the directing writing yeah this one's so personal to her 
it's a standout. The best thing we could say is watch past lives. So good. We now move on to our last three categories, wrap up the Intercut Sundance Awards, and we are moving on to the Intercuity Award. We had made a video with Carson Runquist yeah. of the Carson Runquist channel. Yeah, and uh, he was staying with us at the Airbnb. We were able to watch a bunch of movies together, miss a couple of movies together. <laughs> Uh, but we had a video where we saw a lot of people give uh, a couple of their recommendations. You also got some that you're going to be pulling up yeah. from the replies. But reading some of the stuff here, uh, early on, Magnitude was talking about 20 Days in Maripol, which we were bringing up, just mentioned in director. Beyond Utopia, which again, that was like a, yeah. a hit that people were trying to gather on the last minute. I think that so ended up being Magnitude's favorite at the end. Really? Oh, uh, nice. But yeah, we got a couple shout outs from Theater that. Camp and Persian Version, which was a big uh, winner at the festival. Do, 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 do. Some of the other ones uh again theater camp the accidental getaway driver which yeah was a was one that we need to rewatch because yeah. we caught that during a busy day uh what are the ones you got uh over on instagram we put up a story as well so make sure you're following us on instagram so you can contribute to this stuff but jay katz who said that their favorite film of sundance was again theater camp i think that was maybe the the number one movie we heard about during Easily. the festival uh ryan 12 marshall submitted beyond utopia uh, a big winner in the documentary Menary Field. And then Aaron Saldana shouted out, sometimes I think about dying. One of my favorites from the fest. So I'm nice. glad that that gets a little more love. I, I think that movie is really going to resonate with some people. I think so. Yeah. Well, we were saying uh, uh, that's the movie not for the people who are in person. That's the movie for the people You're who are like, watching online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the introverts. Uh, some of the other ones that we have over here in the comments was Miriam, who said that she was watching virtually this year with Eternal Memory. We talked about that in the docs. Yeah, and yeah. People started crying. Jay in the live stream just said Theater Camp was great. My favorite I saw. Beautiful. Uh, we also had some shout outs for Scrapper, Fancy Dance, which is another good one from the U.S. Dramatic. Um, Fair Play Love, A Thousand and One, Ryan Lane. Mm -hmm. A lot of really good stuff that was out there. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what other picks y'all have. If we miss anything, let us know down below in the comment section. Correct our awards and let us know what you thought were the favorites. As we get into our final two, we are going through our favorites from the World Dramatic and the favorites from the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Amanda, start it off. Your best world dramatic movie. Um, yeah, I really... I really did like Slow. I thought Slow uh, was nice. really good. I think it dealt with a topic that uh, hasn't really been dealt with much in, in cinema, and I think it handled it in a really good way with the, the nuances and the intricacies of both sides of the equation. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're saying what it is yet. It's not like anything like weird or anything. I'm not, but like, it's not. It's not. It's just a, it's like a natural thing, and it's just, it's, you know, gonna, it should be more normalized, and it's really interesting um, how they address it and I, I the performances really it all really hinged on the performances that were, were absolutely believable and delivered so yeah mm -hmm. i too would also have slow on my list i think it is a fantastic movie uh it is my number one so i'm going to give a little supplement to you and say mama cruz uh, yeah. really, probably the best poster of the fest mm. and a very interesting movie following uh this woman coming into her own zach had I think I'm going to go with Shada in this category. I thought this is a really beautifully told, lived-in story of a mother escaping an uh, abusive relationship with her six-year-old daughter. And while that's something that maybe we've seen done in other mm -hmm. movies, there's just a, a specificity to how it's told because the director, Noura Nisari, is 
really telling her mother's story. Yeah. Um, you said she was there. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk, talk about yeah. it a little bit later when we talk about our favorite moments of the festival. That's certainly one of my favorite because mm -hmm. you got to see this really uh, emotional story and then see not only the person who was being uh, made a film about the social worker that she worked with and they had in the film. I mean, yeah, uh, I thought Shada was really, really moving. Very good. We know some people really love Scrapper, the winner of the World Dramatic. If you did, you. know that there are three movies that are even better. <laughs> Best U.S. Dramatic Movie. We get to the final category that we have here. This is the one. This is where the whiplashes come from. This is where the CODAs, uh, Oscar Award winning, come from. Um, it's so difficult to pick one. Zach and I were looking over the list and we went, wait, it was that good? Like I literally can put half of this category in my favorites yeah. without a doubt. And the other ones aren't even bad. It's also that I think the U.S. dramatic particularly uh, was harder to like pick a standout for, right? Like they're also the, so different movies. Like, yeah. like where do you want to go with the happy one, with the sad one, with mm -hmm. the more sad one? Like it's a carousel of stuff, but I'll, I'll try to start. My standout is Magazine Dreams. Okay. I think that this is one that's not going to be for everybody, but I love the commitment or non-commitment that they had in this movie going all in with one of the standout performances, some really intriguing editing, a script that really plays with you as an audience. And uh, I am, I'm rooting for this movie, even at over two hours long, that it, it, it has a big splash with audiences. Mm -hmm. Magazine Dreams is my U.S. dramatic standout. All right, all right. Uh, I think in the U.S. dramatic category, I'm going to go... With your heart. Yeah, with, with my heart and maybe a little bit with my uh, my anxiety brain. Okay. Uh, sometimes I think about dying. It's it's the film that I saw first here at the festival, and it's the film that I still keep thinking about. I think it just has these really beautiful uh, ideas and moments, and I think it, it's something that is able to articulate visually things that people have trouble articulating with words. Um, I'm just really taken with the 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 spirit of the film and, and also just like how, how tender and how sweet it is. Like mm -hmm. ultimately it could be, I think you could handle similar, similar subject matter and really just make it dour and make it like unhappy to watch. And they, they found a way to kind of make a uplifting movie. About Delightfully depression. depressing. Yes. yes. Delightfully <laughs> depressing. Amanda, I think I know what up. you're going to choose, but what you're going to go you with in US Dramatics. Cause I don't even know. I can't pick between fair play and theater camp. Ah! I can't. I can't pick. Ooh, go fair play. Go fair play. Okay. What did you think I was gonna pick though? Theater camp. Dude, I love the play. Fair play. There was just something about fair play. I, I went into it really excited. Everybody was describing it as like an erotic thriller. It is not an erotic thriller. Um, every or like it's like Fifty Shades of Grey, but done well. And I was like, okay, that's technically right up my alley and what I cover. But it is not either of those things. But it is still just an incredible. It is an incredibly thrilling style movie it, dealing with uh, like a whole like corporate environment area. So I just I don't think it's going to deliver for a lot of people based on like how hyped it's getting now. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think it's like a perfect movie, but I was really yeah. just swept up in the performances, swept up in the ride. I had a great time. But, you know, it's probably like, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, theater camp is what I'm going to throw on when I, when I want something on in the background. You know? so, All you know, right. She's right. I yeah. think, you know what? I'm, I'm changing my picks. Like, I'm changing your picks. I'm changing your picks. Theater camp. Everybody theater <laughs> camp. Theater camp is the winner. I from, look at it from the, from the last quarter, winning again, taking the win. I told you it was the best <laughs> ending of the year. 
I think if we were like a real film festival jury and we had to sit in a room and come up with one, we would walk off. <laughs> We'd probably land on theater. Camp. We would land on theater. Camp yeah, as the one collective one. But hey, we are curious to know. This has been one of the best lineups from a film festival. This is like the type of year that encourages people to come back following mm -hmm. years if they keep that mm -hmm. virtual. I have loved the idea of being able to keep it in person because you have to realize that a lot of these studios won't allow their movies to play online. Mm -hmm. So to be able to have you know, a portion of those movies that are in person, it keeps it special for the people who need that. But to still have the accessibility for the US dramatic, the world, like every single category that is in competition mm -hmm. was available to be able to stream online. That was one of my personal favorite things of the fest. I hope they continue it. I don't know what wrap ups you have of your favorite moments, your favorite days. Yeah, uh, Wiley in the live stream comments wanted to ask us what our favorite part of the festival was that was not the movies, you know? So we Sleep. were on the on the ground in Park City, got to go to all the theaters again. I mean, it is just so exciting to be there. I mean, for me, one of my favorite things uh, was that, as we mentioned earlier, we got to do a lot of world premieres and we even had a day where we basically spent the whole day in the Eccles, the big theater where they do most of their world premieres. Really and it just, it honestly feels real special to just kind of like stay in that one place and stay in that like exciting atmosphere where the people are debuting their films and, and everybody's just so happy to be there. Um, loved all that. I don't know if there's any other moments that stood out to you or, or Amanda, if you want to go with what your favorite non-movie thing from Sundance this year was? Alberto's? Uh, seeing mm. Dakota Johnson in Always Alberto's. Wait, when did you see her in the flesh? Because I... It was totally me, and it wasn't just Art's picture. Oh, I, right, was, yeah. I absolutely saw her. I was mistaken. I forgot about that. She yeah. was there, yeah. She visually she saw there. it through me. She looked right at me exactly. while the conversation. She said, thank you for your videos. Mm. I appreciate them. <laughs> She sent the whole letter and everything. Uh, the snow this year was beautiful. The mountain resort beautiful. Was, you know, was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Which part oh, of the yeah. images that you see early on that's going to be in our intros for this. Uh, yeah, no, just seeing everybody. Honestly, being, you know, we've done the online version in 21. We were able to get here. up together, but being back here, all of us together. And just like... Yeah. It's one of the big reasons you go to festivals. Yeah, like there is something... Uh, that is really like electric about like going to a movie, hopping in a bus and trying to make that next movie and trying to yeah. process your thought. It's just sort of being in the environment, mm -hmm. breathing in that cold mountain air. This was the coldest Sundance that I've experienced oh, yeah. at least. The, at least like two feet on the ground. So snow. cold, the bottom of your car could fall off. Like it's that freezing. <laughs> it's that freezing. It was that crazy. But if you do get to do it in the future, be it with the upcoming South by Festival, I also mm -hmm. have Chicago, you'll have Tribeca, uh, Canada plays movies too. All of these different festivals that are on the horizon. The best part is having a group. Cause like after you have a long day of yeah. movies, yes, online communities are great. Like that's what this is. Yeah. But it's always dope to after a screening, have other friends to talk about it or to have a group to come exactly. back to. And so it, it was those movies that we did get to see together, like theater camp, I'll even throw. Talk to me. Talk to me, which was We, one we saw that at home and we, yeah. we thought it was a theatrical experience. Berjani came home with yeah, us and watched it. Dope. And it's one of those ones where like the movie ends and we all jump off off the couch and like start pacing the room or whatever, you know? Because like, yeah. it's it just electric and it's so much fun to be able to exist in that moment with mm -hmm. your friends who also love movies. Agreed. So. That's all of the big moments that we had, all of the categories that stood out to us. Do we like want to talk said, briefly about any films we think that might go from Sundance to the Oscars? Oh, you want to talk Oscars? Just briefly. Like, I mean, look, the, the easy one to put, pull out is Past Lives, right? We all oh, love cheating. Past Lives. That's yeah, cheating. it's going to be a multi-nominee. If, yeah. if not, there's some greater injustice in the world. I think somebody uh, 
uh, I think it might have been Magnitude is asking this question, said that it maybe is giving him Minari vibes. I could see it having a similar type of awards run. I hope it's better than, uh, not, not not better as Minari, but like. Re receive more. The more, way that yeah. it's rolled out, but that was also a uh, COVID year, so yeah. it was a little rough. Yeah. Uh, we talked think, about some of our favorite documents. Oh, go ahead, Amanda. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, Major seems like he should be a shoo-in for best actor. It, yeah. If not, I it's just, you know, they're not campaigning him. The whole campaign is just going to be his uh, deltoids. <laughs> yeah. Being deltoids. Yeah. Sometimes movies that have kind of like uh, strong reactions, maybe mixed reactions, end up getting like overlooked. Mm -hmm. But this would it would be an injustice if people can't pull that performance out of that movie and respect it for what it is. Like it's one of those. I'm films. devoted to yeah. the nomination. I got some <laughs> world dramatic stuff, as in like stuff that I I want to get that international yeah. nomination towards sure. the end. Slow, Mama Cruz. Um, that's it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm cool. I'm I just really like yeah. Slow and Mama Cruz. We talked about all the movies that got no nominated for Oscars from documentary. We yeah. Oh, no, we'll have a whole video on that. <laughs> yeah. We have a top 10 there, but you have two that I know you're rooting for all the way till the end. I mean, A Still Small Voice mm -hmm. and 20 Days of Mariupol are both just amazing, amazing films. And I, I think last year we had some hypes and they made it. Yeah. I personally just would not understand if people don't uh, respond to 20 Days in Mariupol by giving it an Oscar. For sure. That, that movie really, really needs it. Anything else? I, I don't know. I mean, Amanda, it, makeup, song. They better nominate theater camp yeah. in song. They, they better, better not pull some Lego movie camp. stuff with it. Yeah, I uh, hope they don't just. We say also got a serious. <laughs> we also got a question much earlier in the stream from Justin asking, "How do we know which films get picked up on, by the festival and who?" I mean, there's always news coming out and variety. Exactly, uh, but sometimes they slip past us. Uh, IndieWire has a, a pretty. Yeah, they're really good with this. Yeah, yeah. They have a good they summary. Got insight stuff, bro. <laughs> exactly. And IndieWire's got the inside scoop. So if you Google IndieWire's 2023 pickups. Sundance pickups, that they'll be all they'll all be there. One that I didn't know. Do you know Apple got Flora and Son for nearly twenty million? I that went completely that. under my radar. Yeah, Are we in the screening. When is it? Maybe, maybe we weren't <laughs> actually seeing the film and we didn't hear the news break. But damn! Wait, are they going to replace the laptop with a Mac now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <like a> <laughs> They're going in for reshoots. Oh, okay, makes sense then. Yeah, All but right. I, interesting landing place for it. Maybe it's going to be That's the movie they put their marketing behind this year after they got Cha Cha last year and Cody the year before that. I kind of like Florence. Put that link in the chat. Or we'll put it in the description cool. as well. Uh, adding all of those little elements. Again, let us know in the, in the comment section what your favorites were, what we should keep an eye on. Hopefully we were able to put a bunch of things on your radar and it's just the beginning. We've already recorded best dramas, best genres, best docs. We're your one-stop shop for everything you need to know about this film mm -hmm. festival, anything dealing with the upcoming film festivals. Uh, and we're just happy that y'all can join us. So let Absolutely. us know your thoughts down below in the comment section. And until next time, don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe. We'll send you some salty snow. <laughs>